Fort Lauderdale. Rock solid. WQAM presents The Neil Rogers Show. To talk to Neil, dial 5670560 in Dade and Broward. In other counties, call toll-free 877-785-NEIL or pound 560 on your AT&T and Verizon wireless phones. The opinions expressed by Neil, his guests, or his comments no, no. do not represent those Didn't of WQAM staff. Didn't they just say that a second ago? Well, too much. Now, The That's Neil right. Rogers Show on 560 WQAM. Howard David Bitch. Hello, I'm Bill Clinton, and I want you to know that elderly voters won't vote for Barack Obama because people of that generation are too ra- ra- reasonable to fall for his rhetoric. Isn't that right, sir? I won't vote for Barack Obama because he's bleep. He's bleep. He's bleep. Believes in socialized medicine. You see, you should all respect the wisdom of your elders. Excuse me, sir. Why don't you like Barack Obama? I don't like him because he's a. Uh, I mean, he's a, uh, a newcomer to politics. It's all about experience, and these experienced voters know that there's only one viable choice come November. And who do you support, sir? I guess I'm going to vote for Hillary. Even though she's a, uh, a uh, she's a Clinton. I'm Bill Clinton, and I approve what this old guy just said. Ten oh one at five sixty WQM. Happy Thursday to you. What's that schedule look like today? How did the thing go with jerks yesterday? We get any f- feedback on that with his um what that event? Whatever that was. That yeah, the ice coffee and the donuts. And and that, no, no, no. I mean, we could we could ask the audience and. Uh, you know, take some calls. <laughs> Jerk show at 2 this afternoon in the studio, not at the uh, AAA. Don't be looking for no more free iced coffee, okay? Mad Dog 4 to 6.55. And then at 6.55, it's not what you think. It's UM and UNC baseball. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Followed by the DA show till midnight. U.M. and U.N.C. Baseball. Back in the day when I did uh, U.M. Baseball on W.S. News, we used to do the baseball games on a weekend, you know, where we couldn't do a lot of damage. Here we are on a Thursday, right in broad daylight at 6.55, and we got a U.M. Baseball game on there because Clarence is going to be with... Here's the guy... Oh, boy. Woo! It's part of the Q.M. playground that never ends. It just never ends. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me a ball. Give me your ball. Here's the poll from yesterday before I go on a three-hour rant about those Gulfstream shows. Okay. And I, I hope your boyfriends there, Steve Sloan and Flea, are listening, although probably not. You can't handicap horse races without past performances, okay, in the case of a thoroughbred. Now, the one thing about harness racing, you buy the program, it's got all the information in it. Right. You said to me yesterday, oh, I got the program here. Yeah, you got the yeah. program, which is nothing but the same thing I got, a list of names and jockeys, that's all, and morning line odds. That's it. You can't handicap. I mean, if you want to keep throwing your money away, it's up to you. Yeah, and then Steve Sloan, oh, Neil made us some money ho, 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 a couple of times. Yeah, blind luck. Blind luck. I mean, how do you really think people handicap horse races by just picking names and colors and jockeys and like that? Oh. And by the way, Channing Hill is a guy. I apologize. Sorry. I am confused with Chantel Sutherland, who's one of the lady jockeys at Woodbine. And I, I would have guessed that by that name, too. Channing. Sure. We I mean, know Carol Channing. Oh, yeah. I mean, what kind of a guy is named Channing? Yeah, yeah. You know, come on. Seriously. He's a kid. Well, ask Dave Johnson about Channing Hill. Here's the poll from yesterday. The real bummer about encountering an attractive stranger is 850 votes. 
I'm too married, 250. I just can't reach out and touch them, 137. <laughs> I'm too shy to approach them, under 25. I'm usually too old for them, 78. Oh, amen to that. F and amen to that. I'm too unattractive to ever have a chance with them. F, F and amen to that, 75. I may never see them again, 50. They never give me the time of day, 27. I usually make a fool of myself, 23. They're with somebody else, 23. Usually some bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm gay, but they're straight, 22, although that never stopped me. Somebody else is usually with me at the time, 17. I just never run into any nine. That's somebody who, those nine people evidently never get out of South Florida very often, right? They never run into any attractive people. I imagine. I mean, what is that? I just can't steal a kiss, nine. <laughs> How about stealing some Hershey's kisses? Sure. And I'm straight, but they're gay, five. I got an email yesterday that was very disturbing to me. George will be on tomorrow, by the way, and then I'll be on vacation all next week. Although Saturday we got a big appearance at the Gulfstream, 3 to 5 p.m. Indeed. And then the uh, second week in June I'm on vacation all week, too. In fact, I think you're on vacation the week before that. Well, we got a Correct. whole lot of, lot of time off coming up. Got to cram them in there before that's I'm working schedule. on Memorial Day. Although Clarence, interesting, we never asked anybody, I don't think. Did he ever ask you? No. No. Because no. I volunteered so that George can have off Memorial Day. Thank you. Do well, that's on the I mean, it's not after my vacation, so why can't I work on a Monday? You know? Right. Maybe we can do the show from Gulfstream. Mighty Whitey uh, to volunteer. Maybe we can do the way. show from Pompano Park. or like an that's abandoned true. warehouse in uh, Pembroke Pines would be good. I think that's coming up next. I get this email yesterday. It says, hope to make it Saturday, and if you need anything, you'll please let me know. Well, well, what does that mean? Why is this man always sucking ass? That's what I'd like to know. Why is he always doing that? It's the thing that he does. Have a safe trip down, and by the way, so-and-so loved your spot. There are a few things we have to change. Can't say the word sex for co-op, but it's a done deal, and since they're on the 26th. Thanks again. Miss you. See you Saturday, P.D. Lenny. P.D. Lenny. Oh, my God. Yep. I told you I tried. You tried what? To tell him. Tell him what? That I don't want to see him? Not to bug you. He bugs me. Just the very I, fact I that he's, he's working on this station again bugs me. He's annoying. Extraordinarily annoying. And the worst butt kisser I have ever seen in my life. The worst. Not nobody else even close. Then there was this on our MySpace. You also got a copy of it from, what's the guy's name? Geo. Geo, yeah. It says, I want my $20 and my hour of my life back. Now, the interesting thing, George seems to think that Geo never came by to say hi. I, I don't know. For a I don't or... know. I don't know. No. Doesn't sound like it. Just returned from Gulfstream to see George. A quickie spy report. With the exception of the yellow 560 Hummer parked under a tree in the cheap parking lot, no sign whatsoever that the 560 is doing a promotion. No arrows, bells, or whistles pointed to where George and the 560 crew might be broadcasting live from. No bells, arrows, or whistles. Oh, yes, there was a relatively large promotion sign on the second floor indicating that some guy named Niall Rogers would be live at the track this week. I wanted to steal it. After walking around for about 20 minutes, finally stumbled upon the 560 table in some random corner of the first floor casino slash simulcast room, George and the crew sat there pretty much alone away from the crowd. And I'm using the word crowd liberally, by the way, it says. And like you said, what does this guy expect to find there on a day when there's no racing? Gulfstream is in the middle of the simulcasting day. going on. Right. Now there's no racing. Right, in the Live. middle of a work day, no less. Right. Away from the crowd. The volume of the speaker was turned so low I can't even hear what you were saying. 
And I lost $20 in Belmont's second race. Oh, good. I hope he bet on that horse with Kent Sormo, the one. I, oh, here he comes. <laughs> just finished now. Please tell me this was just a practice run in preparation for your big homecoming appearance this Saturday. Can't wait to see you. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to see you either, Geo. That's South oh, Florida. That's the yeah. sound of South Florida. Make no mistake about it. <coughs> Bitching and moaning and crying and screaming and carrying on. About what? About whatever. I mean, once he saw that we were there, why did he come over and uh, be a little friendly and say, Hi, how are you doing? I don't even I'm... know if he did. You know, that's a lot of people did. I don't know if he was one of them. Yeah, probably not. He'd rather stay. He'd rather kind of like lurk in the distance and go, <coughs> This ain't what I thought it would be. <coughs> We know what it would be. It's a QAM uh, fiasco, like every dog always is. Lurkers, I love it. Yeah, lurkers. <laughs> There's lurkers and workers and jerkers, uh -huh. and I think that uh, Geo is at least two out of those Stalkers three. and gawkers. Yeah, that's right. Stalkers lurkers and gawkers. <laughs> and lurkers and jerkers. Man. <laughs> so tired. That's another reason I'm so glad I'm not there, man. You have no idea. Oh, I do have every idea. And if there's anybody that shows up there on Saturday and starts whining, I'm right. just going to have uh, to kick right out. That's I don't right. want to hear it. we got so many goons that are going to be hauling people away just continuously. Good. Fine. We'll have one goon for every person that shows up. Great. I think they probably needed to. Mm -hmm. Look at the way those, those phones are starting to light up, as if I'm going to take calls. I guess maybe you missed the show yesterday, okay? We're not taking calls. I'm taking one call today. It'll be Dave Johnson at 11 o'clock with his uh, Preakness preview, and that's it. Starting tomorrow when George fills in while I'm going on vacation and for the next week when George is on, all the calls you want, baby. George is just That's right. dying for Wholesale. them. As they say in Poland, he's halloshing for them. That's right. He can't wait. <laughs> just an endless list of complaints. That's he right. just an hour of his life back and the twilight. Well, what did he think was going to happen there? Was he going to get laid there or something? What was going to happen? Laid and rich. Jesus, God There was going to be a party. There were going to be noisemakers. Let me say it again. I haven't been doing any handicapping here. I've just been uh, flying by the seat of my pants trying to pick uh, something off a sheet of paper. Yeah. That's all. You can't handicap horse racing without a program, without a racing form. You idiot, Steve Sloan. And George is giving me a song. That, oh, Steve, he's uh, an expert on this stuff. He knows how to I go to the window. I did not say he was an expert. The hell Come you did You said he, he knew knows, something about he knows it. He knows nothing it. about it. He knows, he knows terminology. Nothing. He knows more than me. Let me say it again. He knows less than nothing. Okay. I know you know much less than nothing. He knows what the words mean. When you speak those words there and it sounds like Chinese. I don't care. Okay, that doesn't have anything to do I with said. handicapping a that's horse race, all okay? I said. You have to have a program in harness racing and a racing form in thoroughbred racing. Right. You look at the past okay. performance None. charts and the buyer figures and the this and the that and, and who they ran okay. against and uh, like that. I'd argue that point. I said he knows that what you're saying. That's all I ever said. He knows, he knows the lingo. Yeah. Yeah, that's he knows the lingo. That's all I Van Lingo said. Mungo, okay? Never he knows him an the lingo. You ought to be hung from an oak tree somewhere. Palm tree will do. God. You know, you're so easily uh, sucked in. But anybody that will make you a couple of bucks with these appearances, you're so hey, easily... In, in this place, what else is there? What else am I going to get or hope to get? Nothing. That's somebody that's going to make me a couple bucks. What Nothing. do you think I show up here for? There he goes. For fun? <laughs> for fun? What do you show up to work for? Because you Money. like these people? Okay. Like what people? The people here, you know, our coworkers. Is that what you show up to? I'm not there, so what difference does it make if I like them or not? No, but you some don't. of them I like, some of them uh, come see, come sa, and some of them yeah, like well, that, I raspberry. Like, I like the ones that make me some money. 
Yeah, exactly. You're easy. You're just, uh, you know. Okay. You don't care whether anybody's listening or not or whether it's being done uh, right. I, I or whether do it care, makes but any they sense. don't. I can't care. Or whether it makes any sense or right. whether it's being done well, in a way that, uh, you know. They're not going to listen to anything like we say anyway. have some idea what we're doing or just continues making us look like a bunch of silly-ass fools, which is the Joe Bell effing way. That, that's the way. That's the kind of operation I'm. I'll tell them that on Saturday. I'll be more than delighted. Okay, I've signed that deal. I'm going to be here for another 100 years till I croak. I'm sure I'll croak much before the end of that deal. How positive of that? Because these people are grave robbers. They're butchers. Oh, Neil's going to be handicapping some races. We're going to put a blindfold on him and tie his hands behind his back. He's going to be handicapping some races. What what Flea and Lee, or whatever his name is, Steve what, uh, Sloan, what they know about horse racing, you can put them in the thimble and have room for a uh, spectacular bid left over in there. The whole horse. Nothing. Zero. I just, I'm just telling you that so that oh, you're okay, aware. Okay, I'm not arguing with you. Because it happens to be something I know a little bit about. There are many things in the world I know nothing about or very little about. This happens to be something I know a little bit about. A little bit. Yeah. Not a lot. 1013 at 560 WQM Rogers. Ah. Well, I was shopping at the store for some food. Buying groceries never felt so good. Too bad I didn't know my credit was waxed. Store security was breached and their database got hacked. C-R-A-P, that spells me. My credit is crap.com, baby. I'm as screwed as I can be. Thought about killing myself, maybe. Now instead of eating good and getting fat. My identity was stolen and now my life is just crap. C-R-A-P, that spells me. My credit is crap.com, baby. All right, 1017. Now, I could spend the next two hours rambling on about Steve Sloan and Flea and that whole uh, thing. I'm not going to do it because most people don't give a flying crap. Last night, Keith Olbermann on MSNBC on his countdown show had one of the greatest rants in the history of ranting. Okay. You know the history of ranting? Yeah. Ripping George Bush, the ass he so richly deserves. And I thought it was so good, I'm going to play it. Excellent. Got it on recorded. Right. I don't know how long it's going to be. It goes on forever and ever, but it's, it's worth it. Finally, tonight has promised a special comment on two topics a lot of us had foolishly thought and had naively hoped we would not again have to address. And a third topic nobody thought a president would ever seriously mention in public, unless perhaps he'd just been hit in the head with something and was not in full possession of his faculties. How he expressed his empathy to the families of the dead in Iraq by giving up golf. The president has resorted anew to the sleaziest fear-mongering and mass manipulation of an administration of a public life dedicated to realizing the lowest of our expectations. And he has now applied these poisons to the 2008 presidential election on behalf of the party at whose center he and Mr. McCain lurk. Mr. Bush has predicted that the election of a Democratic president could, quote, eventually lead to another attack on the United States. This ludicrous, infuriating, holier-than-thou, and most importantly, boneheadedly wrong statement came yesterday during an interview with Politico.com and online users of Yahoo. The question was phrased as follows. If we were to pull out of Iraq next year, what's the worst that could happen? What's the doomsday scenario? And the president replied, doomsday scenario, of course, is that extremists throughout the Middle East would be emboldened, which would eventually lead to another attack on the United States. The biggest issue we face is, it's bigger than Iraq, it's this ideological struggle against cold-blooded killers who will kill people to achieve their political objectives. Mr. Bush, at long last, has it not dawned on you that the America you have now created includes cold-blooded killers who will kill people to achieve their political objectives? They are those in or formerly in your employ who may yet be charged someday with war crimes. Through your haze of self-congratulation and self-pity, do you still have no earthly clue that this nation has laid waste to Iraq to achieve your political objectives? 
this ideological struggle you speak of, Mr. Bush, is taking place within this country. It is a struggle between Americans who cherish freedom, ours and everybody else's, and Americans like you, sir, to whom freedom is just a brand name, just like Patriot Act is a brand name, or Protect America is a brand name. But wait, there's more. You also have said Iraq is the place where al-Qaeda and other extremists have made their stand and they will be defeated. They made no stand in Iraq, sir. You allowed them to assemble there. As certainly as if that were the plan, the borders were left wide open by your government's farcical post-invasion strategy of they'll greet us as liberators. And as certainly as if that were the plan, the inspiration for another generation of terrorists in another country was provided by your government's farcical post-invasion strategy of letting the societal infrastructure of Iraq dissolve to be replaced by an American vice royalty enforced by merciless mercenaries who shoot unarmed Iraqis and then evade prosecution in any country by hiding behind your skirts, sir. Terrorism inside Iraq is your creation, Mr. Bush. It was a Yahoo user who brought up the second topic upon whose introduction Mr. Bush should have passed or punted or gotten up and left the room claiming he heard Dick Cheney calling him. Do you feel, asked an ordinary American, that you were misled on Iraq? I feel like, I felt like, there were weapons of mass destruction. You know, mislead is a strong word. It almost connotes some kind of intentional, I don't think so. I think there was not only our intelligence community, but intelligence communities all across the world shared the same assessment. And so I was disappointed to see how flawed our intelligence was. Flawed. You, Mr. Bush, and your tragically know-it-all minions threw out every piece of intelligence that suggested there were no such weapons. You, Mr. Bush, threw out every person who suggested that the sober, contradictory, reality-based intelligence needed to be listened to and damned fast. You, Mr. Bush, are responsible for how intelligence communities all around the world shared the same assessment. You and the sycophants you dredged up and put behind the most important steering wheel in the world propagated palpable nonsense and shoved it down the throat of every intelligence community across the world and punished everybody who didn't agree it was really chicken salad. And you, Mr. Bush, threw under the bus all of the subsequent critics who bravely stepped forward later to point out just how much of a self-fulfilling prophecy you had embraced and adopted as this country's policy in lieu of, say, common sense. The fiasco of pre-war intelligence, sir, is your fiasco. You should build a great statue of yourself, turning a deaf ear to the warnings of the realists while you are shown embracing the three-card Monty dealers like Richard Pearl and Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney. That would be a far more fitting tribute to your legacy, Mr. Bush, than this presidential library you are constructing as a giant fable about your presidency. An edifice you might as well claim was built from Iraqi weapons of mass destruction because there will be just as many of those inside your presidential library as there were inside Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Of course, if there is one overriding theme to this president's administration, it is the utter, always failing inability to know when to quit when it is behind. And so Mr. Bush answered yet another question about this layered, nuanced, wheels-within-wheels garbage heap that constituted his excuse for war. And so you feel that you didn't have all the information you should have or the right spin on that information? No, no, replied the president. I was told by people that they had weapons of mass destruction. People. What people? The insane informant curveball 
the Iraqi snake oil salesman Ahmed Chalabi, the American snake oil salesman Dick Cheney. I was told by people that they had weapons of mass destruction, as were members of Congress, who voted for the resolution to get rid of Saddam Hussein. And, of course, the political heat gets on, and they start to run and try to hide from their votes. Mr. Bush, you destroyed the evidence that contradicted the resolution. You jammed down the Congress's throat the way you jammed it down the nation's throat. When required by law to verify that your evidence was accurate, you simply resubmitted it with phrases amounting to, See, I done proved it, virtually written in the margins in crayon. You defied patriotic Americans to say the emperor has no clothes, only this time with the stakes, as you and the mental dwarves in your employ put it, being a mushroom cloud over an American city. And as a final crash of self-indulgent nonsense, when the incontrovertible truth of your panoramic and murderous deceit has even begun to cost your political party seemingly perpetual congressional seats in places like North Carolina and last night Mississippi, you can actually say with a straight face, sir, that the members of Congress... The political heat gets on and they start to run and try to hide from their votes while you greet the political heat and try to run and hide from your presidency and your legacy. 4,000 of the Americans you were supposed to protect are dead in Iraq with your only feeble, pathetic answer being, I was told by people that they had weapons of mass destruction. Then came Mr. Bush's final blow to our nation's solar plexus, his last reopening of our common wounds, his last remark that makes the rest of us question not merely his leadership or his judgment, but his very suitability to remain in office. Mr. President, he was asked, you haven't been golfing in recent years. Is that related to Iraq? Yes, began perhaps the most startling reply of this nightmarish blight on our lives as Americans, on our history. It really is. I don't want some mom whose son may have recently died to see the commander-in-chief playing golf. I feel I owe it to the families to be as to be in solidarity as best as I can with them. And I think playing golf during a war just sends the wrong signal. Golf, sir. Golf sends the wrong signal to the grieving families of our men and women butchered in Iraq. Do you think these families, Mr. Bush, their lives blighted forever, care about you playing golf do you think, sir, they care about you? You, Mr. Bush, you who let their sons and daughters be killed? Sir, to show your solidarity with them, you gave up golf? Sir, to show your solidarity with them, you didn't give up your pursuit of this insurance scam, profiteering, morally and financially bankrupting war. Sir, to show your solidarity with them, you didn't even give up talking about Iraq, a subject about which you have incessantly proved without pause or backwards glance that you may literally be the least informed person in the world. Sir, to show your solidarity with them, you didn't give up your presidency. In your own words, solidarity as best as I can is to stop a game. That is the best you can. 4,000 Americans give up their lives, and your sacrifice was to give up golf? Golf. Not golf. Golf. And still it gets worse. Because it proves that the president's unendurable sacrifice, his unbearable pain, the suspension of getting to hit a stick and a ball together, was not even his own damned idea. Mr. President, was there a particular moment or incident that brought you to that decision? Or how did you come to that? I remember when DeMeo was killed, who was at the U.N., got killed in Baghdad as a result of these murderers taking this good man's life. And I was playing golf. I think I was in central Texas. And they pulled me off the golf course and I said, it's just not worth it anymore to do.
your one tone-deaf, arrogant, pathetic, embarrassing gesture, and you didn't even think of it yourself. The great Bushian sacrifice. An army private loses a leg. A marine loses half his skull. 4,000 of their brothers and sisters lose their lives. You lose golf, and they have to pull you off the golf course to get you to do just that. If it's even true. Apart from your medical files, which dutifully record your torn calf muscle and the knee pain, which force you to give up running at the same time, coincidence, no doubt, the bombing in Baghdad, which killed Sergio Vieira de Mello of the UN and interrupted your round of golf, was on August 19, 2003, and yet there's an Associated Press account of you and photographs playing golf as late as Columbus Day of that year, October 13th, nearly two months later. Mr. Bush, I hate to break it to you six and a half years after you yoked this nation and your place in history to the wrong war in the wrong place against the wrong people. But the war in Iraq is not about you. It is not, Mr. Bush, about your grief when American after American comes home in a box. It is not, Mr. Bush, about what your adult brain has produced in the way of paranoid delusions of risks that do not exist, ready to be activated if some Democrat and not your twin, Mr. McCain, succeeds you. The war in Iraq, your war, Mr. Bush, is about how you accomplished the derangement of two nations and how you helped funnel billions of taxpayer dollars to lascivious and perennially thirsty corporations like Halliburton and Blackwater and how you sent 4,000 Americans to their deaths for nothing. It is not, Mr. Bush, about your golf game. And, sir, if you have any hopes that next January 20th will not be celebrated as a day of soul-wrenching, heartfelt thanksgiving because your faithless stewardship of this presidency will have finally come to a merciful end, this last piece of advice, when somebody asks you, sir, about Democrats who must now pull this country back from the abyss you have placed us at, when somebody asks you, sir, about the cooked books and fake threats you foisted on a sincere and frightened nation, when somebody asks you, sir, about your gallant, noble, self-abnegating sacrifice of your golf game so as to soothe the families of the war dead, this advice, Mr. Bush, shut the hell up. Good night and good luck. Boy, is he good wow. or what? I need a towel. Keith Olbermann, MSNBC last night, one of the great rants of all time. Uh, 1030 at 560 WQM. Hey, attention male golfers. Uh-oh. Including the president. <laughs> How many times has this happened to you? You arrive at the course, you hit the restroom one last time before you tee off, and you're on to 18 holes with your best buds. After drinking sport aids, water, beer, and all kinds of stuff, you're on the third hole with no restroom in sight, and you've got to pee like a racehorse. No trees, no bushes around, and you just got to go. What are you going to do? Introducing the Euro Club, the discreet sanitary way for your urgent relief. I mean urgent. Created by a board-certified urologist, it looks like an ordinary golf club, but contains a reservoir built into the grip to relieve yourself. You just pee in it. The Euro Club comes with a special towel. Can't you just see the president peeing into his golf club? Oh, jeez. The Middle Eastern world will be exploded. Saddam had people killed with the gas that we sold him. First-time aggressor nation and the only one that's going now more blood will be spilled to get that oil flowing. Forget about Korea and the nukes they're toting. And the right wing is drilling it over and over into our heads. That Iraq has some weapons of mass destruction.
10,000 people killed are now forgotten. Let's exploit them instead. Hey, there's oil to be gotten. Going after Saddam to placate Osama. There's no longer mention of the name Bin Laden. But no one seems concerned, all comfy and complacent. Believing every word of this cartel administration that controls us by fear through media manipulation. And the right wing is drilling it over and over into our heads. That Iraq has some weapons of mass destruction. The loss of civil rights is the price that we're paying. We're all suspects now, Nazi Ashcroft is saying. I have nothing to hide, table talkers all are saying. Blind, obedient cattle don't have any reservation. About unprovoked battle and world annihilation. Old regimes must fall in Halliburton installed. With no objection at all, Democrats don't have the balls and the... Right wing is drilling it over and over into our brainwashed heads. Iraq has some weapons of mass destruction. Oy. Only Iraq has some weapons of mass destruction. I can't wait till Saturday at Gulfstream because I'm sure they're going to be some of the. Uh... Experts out there are going to want me to show them how to win uh, at slot machines. Come on, pick me a good machine, Neil. Pick me a good machine, man. Well, uh, set up bleachers. You can, uh, yeah, there you go. I'll find you the good machine. Yesterday, actually, I had another winning day. Not too much. Really? 600 bucks. although I'm sure Chris would hey. take it. But nevertheless, I'm sitting there, and there was this um, Punjab man sitting next to me very briefly. And I, oh, my God, the aroma put me into it. I was, I was not only swooning, I was like... Listing off to the left, away from this guy. I mean, I just as far as I could lean the other way in my seat. I mean, he smelled wow. like he hadn't seen a bar of soap or a body wash in a hundred years. God, Punjab mom. What was that curry thing, you know, plus whatever else, plus the underarm stench and, and other things. I just mentioned that in passing. Well, right. Some people are just, uh, they stink. In case you haven't noticed that. I, I have. Some people stink. WQA and Bruce Rossmar, Harley Davidson, and South Day Dodge presents the 105 Days of Harley. You could be one of 56 winners of a 2008 Harley Davidson Motor Thickle. To register, go to any Bruce Rossmeyer or South Day Dodge showroom, any Hooters location, or just log on to WQM.com. Don't forget, at noon, we'll be doing our two for one deal today. You forget? I didn't. I didn't either. I bet you Chris didn't forget either. Nope. 905 votes on the poll. The real bummer, it's, I can't read all those. Let me know when we get close to a thousand. I'll change it. I'll I, change it if Eric has actually put the one on there. I, I wish he'd get rid of that one. Oh yeah, he's got the right one on there. That one that I don't want to do. I forgot what it was. It was so bad. So what did you think of that Keith Olbermann rant about the El Presidente? I thought it was spectacular. Yeah. Now was that on uh, YouTube? I don't know. I mean, where did you uh, play it from? Did you record it? That was I recorded uh, on my TV last night. I'm, I'm sure it's on YouTube. On YouTube. Well, I Everything hope so. is anymore. Hope everybody in the everybody yeah. in the world needs to see. Go it and uh, post that on everybody else's whatever. MySpace, Facebook, uh, D Facebook, mm -hmm. everything. Spread it around. 
I, you know, it's really amazing how MSNBC has come full cycle, and they've got him on there these last, I don't know how long he's been on there, a few years. Uh, after they took Donahue off, anybody else who was anti-the war, anti-Bush, uh, and you know, dared to be critical of these uh, Nazis. And now all of a sudden they got Oberman not only on there from 8 to 9, but they repeated from 10 to 11 and 1 to 2 in the morning. Because it's their only only show that anybody really watches on MSNBC. The rest of it is swill. They got uh, Quith Matthews on there talking about politics on softball. He's got the most peculiar speech. I don't know what his story is, man. He just... Annoying, just annoying, and of course he doesn't say anything anyway. Chris Matthews, you know him? No. Yeah, I know. Not personal, you know. Strange, really bizarre. And then they got uh, Morning Joe, Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough. God, he's got the personality of a, a guy, a, a, a sarcophagus, uh, of a dead man. Lord, if I could only have talked to Hitler, all this. Might have been avoided. Yeah, if you only could have talked to Hitler, uh, right, you'd probably hit it off pretty good, W. How do you like that? Nice. Oh, he's talking about Obama. He discredited by history. Obama and his campaign leaders quickly denounced the president's remarks. Good. Rip him an ass, Barack. Just uh, scary. It's really scary to look at this ignoramus and think that there's still people, not too many of them, though. Still people who support this uh, fascist regime. George was telling me just this morning that uh, somebody in his family, I don't know who it was. No, he was uh, talking to a friend. but uh, oh, Some friend, about, some former friend. About the fact, no, about uh, people I don't associate it with anymore. Still a current friend, but we were talking about other people oh. that I don't want to associate with because of such things. Damn bitch, I f***ed him. Oh! Coming at you. <laughs> On the number one rated portfolio show, according to the latest faggot survey. We're going to take a little bit of a break here with my usual real building disassociation with anything going out of this station to say that both of Brian is gay. 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 For making fun of me like that. Well, let me show you how to be a real man with 120 minutes of jock huffing on the Jack Show. That guy's a jockstrap, huh? You did his after he hurt his ankle. You may think athletes have a better health insurance policy than you, but he still had to drive his navigator all the way to the doctor. How about that? You caught. You did caught. <sighs> that you did his. I'd like to massage his ankle. The jogger from down under got magic fingers, baby. These fingers would gladly rub any real man that plays a game. But they ain't gonna rub any gay boys like you, homie. How about that? Well, we got a call here from the nasally weenie that calls every show on the station. Yeah, hi, Jack. It's the nasally weenie that calls every show on the station. What's your Jake? Nasally weenie that calls every show on the station. You have a great show, Jack. Everyone enjoys your show. Well, thanks. Uh, so you got the check. Yeah, thanks. Well, that'll sound real good on my reel. And steamy man talk isn't gay. That Boca Bryant, he's gay. Yeah, that's right. You too gay for me, Boca. I ain't never going to invite you to my all-nude Monday night football at Man Loves and Wolf Matters. You just ain't banned enough. How about that? Oh. Oh, yeah. How about that? <laughs> 
Ten forty-seven, thirteen to eleven, and five sixty WQM. I should just play the Keith Olbermann thing over and over again all Ooh. day, at least once an hour. <laughs> and then I'll need a shower. Wait a a power shower? Oh yeah, with some X. Former Democratic U.S. presidential candidate John Edwards endorsed Barack Obama's White House bid last night. A campaign spokesman said giving a big boost to Obama in his effort to rally the party around his candidacy. It's all over, Swillery. Yeah. Edwards, the 2004 vice presidential nominee, dropped out of the Democratic race in January, was heavily courted by both Obama and Swillery in the past few months. He made the endorsement at a Grand Rapids rally last night. I'm fired up for Obama's first words to the raucous crowd who cheered wildly when the Illinois senator introduced his special guest, Edwards. The former North Carolina senator took time before endorsing Obama to kindly acknowledge Senator Swillery's efforts. The endorsement comes the day after Clinton defeated Obama by more than two to one in West Virginia, where all them bigoted old white folks said, we don't like that, darky. The loss highlighted Obama's work to win over the Hillary Democrats, white working class voters who also support Edwards in large numbers before he exited the race. This is going to be a real test now. Like mm-hmm. I said yesterday, as we get closer to the real election, the presidential election itself in November. Yeah. Now we'll find out. Now we'll see just how bigoted uh, Americans are. Oh, you'll see. There's an awful lot of That's awful it. lot of rednecks out there, man. Yep. A lot of racists. Yep. See, I look at Obama. I don't see him as a black man. I just see him as a guy. You know? I came up with a uh, slogan for his campaign when he yeah. runs. He's all right. He's half white. Yeah, that's not bad. See, Which half? Consider that. You know, the important half. The part that oh. talks. Well, that's good. But it's uh, it's really, and of course, the Clintons have been playing the race card something fierce, oh. even though they deny it. They've been playing it. And Bubba was supposed to be like the first black president. You know, we opened up his office in Harlem and yeah, was yeah. embraced by all the black folks, et cetera, and so on. Sometimes people don't know who their real friends are until push comes to shove. Right. Just like all that crap about, oh, well, Bush is good for Israel, and Nixon was good for Israel, and all of a sudden, all these other right-wingers are good for Israel, so we hear. Yeah, so all the neocons. Bad for the rest of the world, but good for Israel. Just amazing. Now you'll be you'll be interested to know that I did a little not a lot, a little bit of homework with Dave Johnson calling in today. All right. For the preakness. Well, I, I mean, like I said, I don't have the racing form. Right. I could leave now and drive over to a Woodbine <laughs> and pick one up. I'd be back before two. What? Nothing. No, seriously. What if we're going to continue doing those shows and you're going to continue betting your money and I'm going to continue being put on the spot to handicraft, well, i got to have a racing for man. It's just the way it uh, works. Let's figure out a way. There must I be can a do way. it. I can go the day before. Right. If I know when you're going to be doing those shows, I can go the day before and buy the racing form at Woodbine. Great. I'll uh, send you a schedule. Well, you got it more schedule? No, no. Not that I know. Oh, of, my God. You're just out of control of that stuff. It's oh, Steve's over here. Steve's going to go run and make the bet, and uh, Neil's going to yeah. make us all a lot of money. And blah, 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 blah. Listen, I'm having a good time. Yeah, you're having a good time. The audience isn't. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. I don't know what they think of those shows. Maybe we ought to do a poll on that. You want to do a mini poll on that? Whatever. Fine. What do you think, Chris? Sure. Why not? During the next break, I'll fax Eric a mini poll. I mean, this one we got on there now. Let's just uh, get rid of it already. Yeah, yeah, we're at 920 already. What? We're already at 920. Yeah, we got enough vote on there. It's fine. It's fine as wine. But anyway, I looked at the uh, Preakness and the, um, I mean, the field is uh, 13 horses, but there's only really one. Unless he falls down or something or stumbles out of the gate real bad. Big Brown, he could stumble out of the gate and still circle the field and win by 10. That's how impressive his win in the Derby was. Just awesome. I guess Cactus Irma wasn't riding an equal, uh, riding an equal quality horse yesterday in that yeah, yeah. second race at Belmont. It was a conspiracy. 
that that Geo guy lost 20 bucks on or whatever. I mean, if you people are going to listen to me when we're doing those shows when I don't even have a damn racing form to handicap from, then you're dumber than even uh, Steve Sloan is. And that's saying a lot. You're dumber than George is about horse racing. Hey, that's saying a, a volume. A whole lot. Right. Okay, here's the final uh, deal. 919 on the poll. The real bummer about encountering an attractive stranger is I'm too merry, 270. I just can't read it, reach out and touch, 155. I'm too shy to approach them, 132. I'm usually too old for them, 84. Boy, am I ever. I'm ancient. I'm too unattractive to ever have a chance with them, 78. That, too. Old and uh, unattractive, I mean grotesque, 78. I may never see them again, 56. I, I don't understand that one. That doesn't bother me. What, what if you don't see them again? Uh, uh, yeah, right. Use them, abuse them, and uh, toss them if that's the case, you know. Move on. Move on to the next case. They never give me the time of day, 27. They're with somebody else, 26. I usually make a fool of myself, 24. I'm gay, but they're straight, 24. Somebody else usually is with me at the time, 20. I just never run into any attractive people, 9. Too much time in Florida, baby, in South Florida, 9. I just can't steal a kiss, 9. Bring a, bring a little sack and steal it. That's it. Grab it while it's in midair and stick it in your sack. Take it home. Steal it. I'm straight, but they're gay, 5. So we'll take a poll and find out what they think about George at Gulfstream about those right. shows. I don't know how to word it. Let me let's work on no, it. Work on it. Make sure to put something ambivalent on there. Okay, don't get uh, too pushy now. Well, you usually poll. Don't get that. Here's an interim poll in between this one and the uh, good one. I have an idea what they're gonna say. When George, see, I gotta write this all out. All right, longhand. Does the shows at Gulfstream? Is that correct? Okay, sure. When or when George is at Gulfstream, however, it's all good. What's your take? What's your take? That's always right. good. What's your take? Yeah. As long What's as your take on the Yankees? Yeah. As you long think as we're uh, here, the Yankees we'll come independent? Do you think Steinbrenner's going to get them all fired up? What do you think? What do you think? Okay, first one. Uh, it's great. Great. Wow. Well, we'll see. Maybe it's sure. great. Or how about I love it? That's better. Okay. I love it. Sorry for all the chicken scratching on here, Eric. I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, it sucks. Okay. I turn it off. Okay. Or it's okay. Uh, it, or it's fine. It's okay. Whatever. You, it's okay. It's okay. Not fine. It's okay. Oops. Yeah. Okay. The right it's okay. okay. There's four nice choices on there. This is only going to be a quickie. It's better than taking a bunch of stupid calls. Oh, those oh, shows yeah. really blow, right and we don't want to hear about horses. Oh. Yeah, like that. <laughs> like uh, your buddy there. What's his name again? Geo. Yeah. <laughs> he probably drives one. Oh, I just uh, went all over the place looking for George. And, and, and it seems to me that if he had all these uh, complaints and problems, he should have probably uh, spilled the beans to you. Know, when I, right I mean, there. He's, if, he if it took 20 minutes for him to find me, because it's only a 60-second walk from the uh, from the entrance to where we're at. I yeah, but there weren't bells and whistles and big signs and neon lights. Where the hell was he looking for? Arrows pointing. Hey, little sure. George is over oh, here. Yeah. You know, QM is over. Like that. Mm -hmm. In addition to which, he has to understand that we're very limited when it comes to promotional. We don't have any promotional budget. Now, the no. excuse used to be about, well, we lose a million dollars a year to the Marlins, so we have no promotional budget. We don't have the Marlins this year. Do we have a promotional budget? No. 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 When they slice my salary by 99% next year, is it going to make any difference? No. Will we have a promotional budget? No. no. But, it, you know, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> it's Leader. This is the Neil Rogers Show. Wow.
Just as you blame. Any questions? Okay, I don't think I'm going to play it a bit at that point because uh, I, I backed myself into a corner here. Uh-oh. Well, no, because it's 11 o'clock. That's right. And I'm going to keep watching that bat line. Any sure. second it's going to ring, it'll be Dave Johnson. And he'll give us the uh, lowdown on a Preakness. Yep. Lowdown, the high down. You can play one yep. of those instrumental bits. Really? <laughs> Such as. We got that one with that long bed. There you go. The only problem, it's Thursday, and that one's all about Monday. You know? Yeah. But you'll see. I'll Who'll notice? Something. What? Who wouldn't notice? This astute audience will be right on it. Okay, let's see Notice. if Eric's got that other pull on it. Keep your eye on the bat line, okay? Oh, yeah. Here's some pull. Nah, he's still got the uh, the Charlie B one on there. Is he aware of the fact that we've got this interim one? I'll tell him. Yeah, maybe you can even stick it up there, the interim one. I just faxed him. I'm sure it's it's very uh, short and right to the point. And there's Dave Johnson right now. What did I tell you? My psychic wow. powers never fail me. Except at the track. How you doing, Dave? Hey, hey, how are you, Neil? Boy, we sure had it nailed there in the Derby, not. No, I went for pyro and uh, didn't use the Philly in the exactus. So how'd you do? Bad. Well, are we going to get even in the Preakness? No. At one to nine? Well, he's not going to win. I don't think he's going to win. What? I don't think he's going to win. I don't. I tell you, I don't think he'll win the triple crown. He'll either stub his toe here or, or in the Belmont. He, I don't think he'll win the triple. crown. You weren't impressed by that amazing performance. Oh, I was. I was. But how can he run that kind of a, uh, a race and then come back in only two weeks rest and do it again? In other words, you don't think he's a super horse that we've been searching for for a hundred years? You know, there's something wrong here because he only started three <laughs> times yeah. before the Derby. But he won them all. Well, he's got he's got the feet problem, Neil. You know. Yeah, that that's the knock. He's got bad feet. Well, something's wrong. You only start. I mean, they used to start a lot more than three. You, you and I could have such bad feet. <laughs> Mine are just numb. That to me, well, after all these years, why not? But I, and that, that to me was an amazing performance from the twenty post, and uh, he he did it one by thirty lengths, I think. If he, he wanted to. He did. That was the fastest derby that I ever saw. The most impressive. He was wide throughout, and... Uh, and you don't like him? Well, I just don't know how he could come back with only two weeks rest and do... And, and uh, there are some nice horses in in here uh, going up against him. So. Well, how did all the other Triple Crown winners come back with only two weeks rest? How did Seattle Slough do it and Affirmed and uh, all of those and Spectacular? Weren't they a little more hardy? Weren't they, weren't they just... I mean, how many races did Secretariat have as a two-year-old? You know, he certainly had more than one. I think yeah. he had seven or eight. Sounds to me, it sounds to me like you're searching to beat the chalk, which I don't blame. Oh, I always do, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one to two in the morning line. I, I can't recall. Can you ever remember any horse in uh, any of the triple crown? Well, Secretariat, the Secretariat was horse of the year as a two-year-old, and yeah. then he showed up. You know, he lost the uh, the wood and then won the Derby. I think he was he, he was very very low uh, low odds in the in the uh, in the Preakness. Didn't he lose to Onion? Not 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 before the Preakness. After the Preakness. After the after, Preakness. after the uh, Belmont. After that smashing yeah. Belmont. Yeah, well, uh, the, the, he lost Onion up at uh, Saratoga in the Whitney. I uh, remember. I remember Chick Anderson saying he's moving like a, a big machine. I remember that was in the Belmont. Yeah. Yeah. He won by eighty-five thousand lengths. Um, Secretariat was thirty cents on the dollar in the Preakness. He paid two dollars and sixty cents to win. Boy, what a bargain! Who needs that? Exactly. Well, George could use it. <laughs> yeah. He could take the 60 cents. 
Now, before we what go into those... What you get for 60 cents in Miami these days? You'd be surprised. About a third of a cup of coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> you couldn't even get in the door. You can't, you can, there's nothing in Starbucks for less than... For more. We've got a candy machine over here. Uh, the gum is 50 cents, so I'll have to... Yeah, he can, get, he can give you a stick of gum. <laughs> now, of course, there's always got to be controversy in every race, and the tragedy with eight bells... Uh, collapsing after the finish and having to be destroyed. These PETA people who always make me sick, but now they're really, really pissing me off. Uh, just jumping on this, and they want the jockey suspended, and they want uh, all these other investigations. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, my, Neil, my response to that is that there are people getting killed by cars every day, so we ought to probably ban automobiles. Neil, it was a terrible thing that happened in the in the Derby, but it was it was a freak accident. I mean, I worked at tracks for 40 years, and this is the very first time that I have ever seen uh, any horse. Uh, break both ankles in a race, after a race, before a race, whatever. Yeah. It, it, had, it happened activity. after she crossed the wire, too. And you can't blame the jockey or the trainer or the owner for running a horse in the derby. Can you? No, of course not. I sure don't. No, I don't either. But these PETA people, when the, and I was reading some stuff online last night. What they do is they try to make a, a federal case out of something uh, that they really have no business sticking their nose into just to get the publicity, just because just they're so desperate for publicity. And, and money. They're, they're asking for money. Are they really? Oh, sure. Well, they're but not getting mine, I'll tell you that. No, mine neither. I, um, it's, uh, they, they just don't know what they're doing. Of course we can do a better job with uh, uh, the better track surfaces, and, and it, would be, it would be good to have some uh, research into um, uh, when two-year-olds should really race and race at heart, but the PETA people, just they, they, they don't get it. Now, when you're in the when you're sitting at home in your living room now that you're retired and you're watching the derby and they come into the stretch, yes. Now, do you actually do you think it in your head or do you say it out loud? And down the stretch they come. You don't really. I, I can just see you sitting there screaming. No, yeah. Uh, let me tell you the reason I asked that is because you know I used to do play-by-play hurricane baseball and stuff like that. Yes. And and when I'd go to see a game and wasn't broadcasting it, sometimes I would find myself and especially watching hockey games, doing play-by-play in my head. Well, I'm checking my tickets. Oh. Looking to see, you know, if I've got a shot. Oh. Well, I'm, you know me, I'm anti-gambling, so. Are you? No. Oh, okay. You know what I love? I love Tencent Superfectus. I don't understand that. What is that all? I, I hear them saying you're, that. Like, you're trying to get the first four horses. No, I know what the super is, but, I mean, the dime Superfecta, how much can it pay? Um... Well, one, the other day a friend of mine hit it for $1,300 for a dime. Really? That's yeah, not bad. At the, at the Meadowlands. I mean, at Monmouth Park. Wow. No, but it's so you, you can take six horses and box them up so that you have all combinations of six yeah. horses for $36. That's You bet more than that, I'll bet. Oh, I have, yeah, yeah. on occasion, sure. So, so you get six horses. Let's say you pick six horses out of the Preakness. And um, you box them up, and Big Brown doesn't hit the board. I mean, you're going to get a lot of money. Oh, boxcars, yeah. Yeah. So, now, do you really think there's any chance he's not going to hit the board? I mean, I, I can't a, believe how sour think, you are in this I horse. I think there's a big chance that he won't hit the board. And, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead serious. I mean, this is these are not machines. This is not NASCAR racing. This is yeah. these are these are flesh and blood animals, and that Derby had to take something out of him. He's not going to run back to that. Didn't look to me like he was even uh, broke out of sweating at the Derby. How many horses have you trained? 
None. Okay, me neither. How many horses have you trained? Yeah, none, oh. none. But I sure watch a lot of them, and I've seen horses that you say, "Oh my God, what a what an incredible performance!" And then the same horse comes back two, three weeks later against basically the same field and is off the board. You say, "How could that happen?" It's because that took a big. That effort took a lot out of them, and it, and it could have taken a lot out. They they were See, not. Now, now we're back. We've pre- talked about they this were for years. To win the, the Derby two weeks ago. We're we're back in this uh, debate between the standard breads and thoroughbreds, and the standard breads being so much more durable. And of course, they race every week. Yeah. And this business of coming back two weeks later to me, it always just I don't know. I, I always wonder. I mean, they're, they're so fragile. The thoroughbreds, they're like china dolls. So you're going to take Big Brown and- over. I'll, I'll tell you who else I like. Behind at the bar, the five, yep. and for third, Macho again with Julian Laparu. Well, that's a pretty good box. You know, that uh, for people that like hunch bets, how about Trace Baracho's behind the bar? I mean, three three drugs behind at the bar? <laughs> Trace Baracho's with the great Tyler Bays. Trace Baracho's behind at the bar. I like now, that. Now you picking, who, seriously, who are you picking to win? Let's uh, get serious. Diego. You know why? Is because he had no shot in the derby. He got squeezed like a ham sandwich out of yeah. the gate. He, he finished way up the track, and his trainer, uh, Paco Lobo, uh, Paulo Lobo, he's really a good horseman. He would not bring that horse all the way from Los Angeles uh, to run in the derby, uh, to run in the Preakness if he didn't have. Uh, you know, an indication that this horse was on top of his game. So I'll go with him. Mike Smith's son is going to ride him. And he's the second choice. He's 8-1 to one in the morning line. I'll take 8-1. to one. Okay, sure. And he'll probably go off higher than that because uh, Big Brown's going to be 1-5. to five Yeah, less. I think he will be. He's, he's and, a, and who else is with him? Are you really going to put Big Brown off the board? No, I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to bet. Uh, I'm going to bet Gallego and Big Brown in an exact box, and then I'm going to bet Gallego across the board in case Big Brown is off the board. I want. I want some of that the bridge jumper money. Right. I always use that bridge jumper money. Yeah, I'd love to see that <laughs> when, when they bet twenty grand to show. <laughs> bank teller. Bank teller special. I remember at Batavia Downs one time, Speedy Scott came with Ralph Baldwin to Batavia Downs, and there was some bridge jumper put several thousand in the show pool, and he, yeah. he made a bad break at the start and was and finished at last. Oh. And the crowd was booing and screaming, which really pissed me off. I mean, he was such a great racehorse, and Ralph Baldwin was just a, a great horseman. But nevertheless, that's the way people are. You know, they just want to cash the ticket. But the, but the, uh, the, the fact that a horse breaks at the start and loses all chance, that, that, that really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Well, what about when a horse gets stuck in the gate and then thoroughbred races? Yeah, maybe they should uh, give you your money back. You, you know, the interesting thing is that the Canadian tracks, I've noticed, they're much, much more finicky about that. If a horse breaks before the start in harness racing here, the inquiry sign goes up right away. And most of the time, 99% of the time, they refund the public's money because the, the ruling being they didn't have a fair start. Is that up in, you mean in Canada? Right. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. But they try to give you a little bit better shot, you know. All right. So, so you're picking uh, Gallego? To I'm going to pick Gallego, the number two. Who for a second? Um, let's see. I'm going to I'm going to box up some horses. Hayburn, Kentucky Bear. Uh, I'll use Big Brown. And um, what's the other one? Uh, behind at the bar. But, okay. but my my choice against you in our horse for horse bets, and that's for an early bird dinner, right? No, okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we uh, both we both qualify with some left over. Yeah. <laughs> Now, tell me, yesterday George did a show. He does some shows uh, once every month or so from Gulfstream Park. Yes. And he has me handicapped with no racing for him, and, you know, which is impossible. He doesn't understand that. It's impossible. And yesterday, of course, Calder wasn't running on a Wednesday, and so I had to handicap the first two races at Belmont. 
And Channing Hill, I thought, was a female. I mean, I don't know anything about the... I mean, He's I know the most famous jockey. a farm boy from um, Iowa. Right. And a good, good rider. And he won the first guy. race. He just jogged. He won the first and the last yesterday in, in New he? York. Yeah. He's a, he really tries. I, he's, I've never seen a, a, a jockey on a 60-to-1 shot. Uh, you know, they, He just doesn't give up. I like the way he rides. Great. Well, we won't call him a lady anymore, I guess. No, don't do that. <laughs> okay, Dave. Well, I, you're going to be sorry when the one to nine shot comes in, but you'll see. I, I, I won't I just... be sorry, but I'll talk to you before the Belmont. Absolutely. Take care. Best to you. Hi, George. Yo, yo. Yo. Bye. Thanks, Dave. See ya. Okay, so he doesn't like Big Brown to win. That really shocks the hell out of me. You could just knock uh, me over with a feather. Huh. Of course, most of the time you can knock me over with a feather. Here's a uh, poll that somebody suggests. Those chronics at Maroonie Dodge again. If I see Neil at a restaurant while he's in town this weekend, I will respect his privacy and leave him alone, politely say hi and introduce myself, get so excited I'll pee my pants, flip him off and walk away, beg for an autograph, or probably not recognize him, and then who's Neil? How are we doing that poll on there? Oh, here we go. We got it. When George does the show, the Gulfstream, okay? I, uh, I'm just voting it's okay. What else am I going to say? Right, It'd be a lot I'm more okay if I had a racing for him. I'm I don't want to keep... By the way, uh, six, what? six six the uh, the Friday before you go on your vacation and the uh, for the summer schedule that will be our next appearance there or before the Belmont. Visit. Right. Okay. Well, give me plenty of advance notice because I'm all in people and I daily tend to forget. By the way, speaking of reminding you stuff, I went and posted a funny video on your uh, MySpace and there's a nice comment from someone about these uh, appearances. Well, great. So you might Most want to check out. Trying to like, uh, well, you know, I don't begrudge you the money. You need the cash. What else are we going to do? We don't want you to lose it while betting on horses that I'm picking out of my ass, you know. Let's have a racing forum, boys. Let's do a little study. And then we'll still lose, but at least we'll do it That's scientifically. Right. It'll be more fun that way. 11.13 at QAM. Please. When your bones were broken Felt just like a punch from that punk Sean Penn Make that horse into a leather suitcase Riding on him wasn't very fun Cause he threw you down upon your cute face Like a virgin Lady Madonna Flying through the air Wonder if you yelled out something like a prayer Get well cards your fans will be sending Wishing you some tea and sympathy Material girl, it's no good pretending Don't cry for me Lady Madonna, don't have no lucky star Maybe next time you should ride in a car Okay, let's see how the early returns are going on your uh, Gulfstream appearances, okay? You've got 34 vote. When George does the shows at Gulfstream, what's your take? It's okay, 13. I love it, 11. Love it! I turn it off six, and it sucks four. Okay. I voted it's okay. That's what I voted. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not scintillating. It's not, oh, you know. It's a change of pace. Gets me out of the studio. Gets right. Gets you a little extra cash. A little, little money, some little extra And what you're trying to lose all of it. 
yeah. trying to scratch it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we got, only 34 votes. I think we'll leave that on till 1, 35 votes now. We'll leave it on to 1, and then we'll um, put switch that to the, the, uh, the other one. We'll switch to the real poll. Which was uh, what again? I forgot already. Because I didn't tell you. Oh. <laughs> my first no sexual, it's a Charlie Mee poll. My first sexual experience with another person. Oh, okay. I would much rather forget. I wish I could relive. I wish I could remember. Was my only one so far. Was with a man of the cloth, or maybe a man with a cloth. Uh, might land me in jail if I found any. If anyone found out, was with somebody way older. Wasn't as good as when I do it alone. Took too long or didn't last long enough. What? What are you laughing? Nothing. That one. Uh, that one vote. That one uh, line. Well, I better know. than. Uh, what is it? Well, Not as good as when I do it alone. Maybe some people are more into solitary. Uh, whatever. Hey, different strokes for different folks, right? Right. Thirty-five votes on there is all we got. I don't know why that isn't going over much bigger. I thought that we'd get an immediate phenomenal uh, maybe, response. Maybe uh, took him by surprise. Did you watch that funny video from Saturday Night Live about Hillary? No, I, I, oh, okay. I clicked it, uh, proved it there, but I didn't have a chance. Okay. I don't have time to do all these things. It's funny. Did okay. you see the nice comment that would be right under it now? Then. And I had a nice uh, feedback already from was it Mark or Mike Mark? I think who uh, about thanks for playing the Keith Olbermann thing. Yeah, yeah, I got uh, pissed off at him about the Imus stuff, but the more I think about it, maybe Imus is exactly like uh, somebody else we know. Uh, don't, don't, maybe don't, he deserved don't. to have somebody uh, trying to get him fired all that time. You know what I mean? Could be. Maybe he's as obnoxious off the air as he is on the air, which is probably true. Oh, I don't know. What right, maybe he's just a, a grizzled old bastard. But nevertheless, that has nothing to do with Oberman on the air and what he's doing, which I think is phenomenal. And, and I'm glad that I didn't play that thing, although the response is... Uh... <laughs> what, what you'd expect? Yes, nothing. All right. <laughs> well, I did get one of my space. There you go. Good. Where there's one, there's a thousand. I thought it was fabulous. Uh, me too. Scintillating. But nevertheless... It gave me cotton mouth. Did it really? Oh, yeah. Oh, the connection's timed out. That's never a good sign. What does that nope. mean? Is our site down? Let me uh, refresh it. Oh, no. Might be you. Let me see what's going to do well, on this one. it's not one. me. Uh-oh. Yeah. Take Just when forever. we had that important poll on here, and all of a sudden our site is down. What are we going to do about that, Eric? Wow. Wow what? We're, uh, we have no Internet also. We have what? Yeah, we're, uh, we're completely down. Oh, boy. Once it's down... That's right. Well, we'll wait. Better not have still be like that at noon because we got to do our uh, Neil deal. At right. Noon. How are we going to oh, do that? Oh, boy, Eric. I mean, Eric is right on the ball with these poles and getting them switched, and he's like, as usual, right on top of crap, but nevertheless. No, I got that. I got Internet. You got what? Internets. No, I have Internets. I just don't have our website. You have it? No. Problem loading page. I got everything else. There's New York Times. There's uh, everything else in the world. There's uh, MySpace and your place and our my little, face and what? A little chat room we were disconnected from also. A little chat room also disappeared. Yep. Well, what's that mean? That he's having issues there. Oh Either no, not in Orlando. Personally, or Orlando, or somewhere between us and Orlando. Whew. Boy, the pressure. Just when you think you're going to get everything straightened out. Before the show this morning. When George first came in, we had more of that dropout stuff going right. on. And I thought, oh, not another day of that. Yeah. And somehow, magically, before we came on the air, quite a bit before, magically, they were all straight and new. Coincidentally, right after I told Fix It. After he told Fix It, he waved his magic uh, screwdriver and wand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He waved it and whipped it out. He has a magic wand. Wand. And then all of a sudden, it got all straightened out on me. Oop, uh, it stopped. So I thought, well, maybe we'll get through a whole day today. The call with Dave Johnson was fine. Everything went copacetic there. I can reach over and shut off that monitor now. Don't have to be watching line 12. 
And now all of a sudden, this. We didn't have any dropouts on our streaming today. Everything was, uh, but I'm clicking on that thing and nothing's happening. Let me know if it ever comes back. Sure, I'm going to keep And, and the fact that you can't communicate with him in the little chat room, that's right. not good either. That's extra bad. I could text him. Yeah, text him and see. I guess I the server must be down, huh? Or something. Or something else? That's that's my favorite guess right there. Let's blame the server. The server is down the or something else. Political analyst Lawrence O'Donnell reported before the West Virginia primary that a senior Clinton campaign official had told him that Hillary would be dropping out of the presidential race by June 15. Now, even following Clinton's solid victory in West Virginia, O'Donnell says he has no reason to change what he said. Listen to Hillary's speech Tuesday night. He told CNN's Kira Phillips, that bitch. It was a victory speech, but if you read the right lines, you can see that it was actually her concession speech about where this is going. Lines that you never heard before may in Clinton's speeches. O'Donnell pointed to phrases like, I deeply admire Senator Obama and I'll work my heart out for the nominee. This campaign understands reality, he emphasized. They know where it's going. She'll be supporting Obama by June 15. In response, Phillips played a clip of Clinton saying in the same speech, I'm more determined than ever to carry on this campaign until everyone's had a chance to make their voices heard. What she just said was, I'm in this until June 3rd, O'Donnell explained. He ended up by expressing admiration for Obama. Clinton is adopting a new tone, but that to give that change tone the maximum public exposure, she has to keep campaigning. She's alienated a lot of Democratic voters with her campaigning style, O'Donnell stated. She needs to stay in the campaign to rehabilitate her image and then also to ease her supporters into the reality that the nominee is going to be Barack Obama. What she's doing now is extremely helpful to the party. She said, call me when the party starts. When Mo Green shows up. This thing is still down, by the way. Eric just called, says he knows about it. He's on the phone with uh, the people to try to get someone to uh, get working on it. Thanks, Eric. Oh. You're the best. Of course, he can't hear me anyway, probably, right? Right. I don't know. He said oh, one of the servers, the California server is down, so he's not sure. He's, like, getting a partial feed or something. I don't know. Not, ooh, maybe he's getting that the dropout thing. Ah, ooh, it's going ooh, around. Ooh, it's his ooh, turn ooh. now. Yeah, that's right. Seriously, listening to that for a couple hours can drive you batty. Oh, yeah. Which explains why I'm in the condition I'm in. Hey, the lotion in the basket. It puts the lotion in the basket. It mixes it all up. It puts the lotion in the basket. It puts them both together. It puts the lotion in the basket. When the eyeball falls out, it puts the lotion in the basket. Then it has to hose it down. It right. puts the lotion in the basket. It's what I have to get. It puts the lotion in the basket. Need to rub it on my brain. It puts the lotion in the basket. I have to try clean my skin soon. It right. puts the lotion... In the basket. I said, Doctor. I switched my BB in my legs. I said, Doctor. I like to dance around this way. I said, Mommy. Are the lambs quiet today? I said, Mommy. I want to look more like a woman. My name is Buffalo Bill. It right. puts the lotion in the basket. It makes it for my skin. It puts the lotion in the basket. I hold my pee-pee in. It puts the lotion in the basket. How much does it grow? It puts the lotion in the basket. I've got my skin suit nipple necklace. <laughs>
1131 at 560 WPM. Our website is still down. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, someone will be checking on the equipment in 15 minutes, Eric just called. Wow. In 15 minutes? Yes. Do you have any idea? This is radio. That's 15 minutes is like a, right. like a lifetime. Sure. <sighs> Oi! Hi. Wow. That is sure. And, of course, it's going to back us right up against that noon thing, you know? Yeah, all these, uh, that, well, that's what working. What does that mean, somebody will be checking on it in 15 minutes? Well, what does that mean? He said someone will be, I guess there's a equipment problem, and someone will be at the equipment in about 10, 15 minutes. And what are they going to do? Pee on kick it? it? Pee on it, kick it. Kick it, lick it. Stick it, tick it. Lick it, stick it. <laughs> You'll hear the ticket. Wow. The nation's official inflation rate in April rose a slight 0.2%, but in South Florida, it sure doesn't feel that way, says the Scum Sentinel. Consumer prices for gas, food, and other products are soaring at the fastest pace in the nation, according to figures released yesterday by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the BLS. But wages haven't kept pace with inflation in Florida. That combination is putting pressure on local consumers. The Miami-Fort Lauderdale metropolitan area topped all other cities. With a 4.9% annual inflation rate through April, the national rate was 3.9%. It topped all other cities. We're number one, baby, in inflation. One factor pushing inflation ahead is obvious. It's the gas. The gas, said Fedner Tort, a taxi driver at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. Tort says he no longer goes to Miami often, even though he's found some bargain prices there on food for his three kids. It's too much for gas, he said, so he shops closer to his home in Pompino Beach. Let me take a look on the... Uh, BNN channel. I was going to say the gambling channel. It's the Canadian gambling channel. They don't have as many hysterical people hyperventilating on them. They're much more low-key, you know. It's a Canadian thing, eh? Look at that. The TSX is way up. The Toronto Stock Exchange is up almost 200 points. What's going on? Of course, see, they like it when the price of oil, uh, at least the investors here do, because all that Canadian oil. Oh, yeah. yeah. Eric wanted to remind you that it's not even uh, 8 o'clock out there. He got someone out of the shower. To go check on the uh, oil, $125.56 a barrel. $125.56, that's what I was looking for. Well, he got somebody out of the shower. Well, excuse us, Eric, excuse me. What's he getting all persnickety about? I guess he wants to make sure he's got everything up and ready for the show, and, you know, feels bad when you take shots at him. I wasn't taking any shot. Well, what did I say about Eric? I don't know. Boy, everybody's so touchy, touchy. <laughs> like that, uh, your friend, what's his name? What's his, what's his name? Who? The guy that sent us that caustic email. And by the way, I've seen that Swillery piece already. Oh, okay. Sorry great. about that. Sorry. It's great. That's okay. You just figure I'm so out of touch, I couldn't possibly have seen it. Well, no. I mean, I didn't see it live. I saw it after the fact when I heard about it. So. The Department of Labor reports that gas prices nationally actually went up 5.6% from March to April, but the figure was seasonally adjusted, a term economists use to describe changes they make in statistical reports to smooth out some trends that happen every year, to make it less uh, grotesque, I guess. The seasonal adjustment in April was so large it turned the gas price figure from a 5.6% increase to a 2% seasonally adjusted decline. Right. Oh, my God. Figures lie and liars figure and all other crap. It's not the real thing, and that doesn't help the budget or the consumer either, said economist Antonio Valana, something or other, head of the Washington Economics Group in Coral Gables. At the pump, South Floridians have seen prices skyrocket in recent weeks. Thank you again, Mr. President, for those bargain basement prices on a gas, for that cheap Iraqi gas, regular gas topping $4 a gallon at some Broward and Palm Beach County stations. 
If you go to the gas station, it's 21 or 22 cents higher than last month, said Stuart Schweitzer, global market strategist for J.P. Morgan Private Bank. I don't think there's any way to escape that gas prices are trending sharply higher, and further increases are probably in the pipeline given the rise in crude oil prices, 125 and change for a barrel of oil now. Bush and his schmuck-to-head friends banned our Bush. They're raping the world, baby. They're laughing their asses off while you're scrambling to try to fill up the tank. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mr. President, you bastard. Wall Street chose to look at the inflation report another way. There was a sharp rally in stocks for most of the day yesterday because traders had expected a higher rate of price increases. Their focus was on the core inflation rate that excludes food and energy. The rally fizzled in the final hour trading as the Dow closed up 66.20 points. Food, however, is a cost consumers can't wipe out of their budgets. In April, the price of food jumped at the highest rate in 18 years. Oh, hallelujah. And they say we're not in a recession. Well, you can forget that, said Nancy Biglin of Deerfield Beach after a shopping trip to Winn-Dixie. She recently noticed a, on a grocery store receipt she had paid $2.75 for a single tomato. Two seventy-five for a tomato, man. She asked the store manager if it was correct, and it was, so she returned it. Who can afford that, she said. She probably took a bite out of it and then returned it. Right, Nancy? Good going. There's another reason South Florida consumers are feeling the burden of rising prices. Incomes here aren't keeping pace with inflation. According to federal statistics, last year South Florida's consumer prices rose 5.8%, but the median hourly wage in Broward County rose only 3.2%. It rose only 4.6% in Palm Beach County and 4.2% in Dade County. Inflation has been outpacing local wages for four years, with only one exception. The growth in wages in the Miami area was larger than local inflation in 2006. The Bureau of Labor Statistics doesn't yet have figures on local wages for 2008, but the trend is the same nationwide. In April, the Labor Department said average weekly earnings fell 0.5% when adjusted for inflation. We got real service, baby. People can't afford food. They can't afford gas. They can't afford to drive their car. They can't afford nothing. How do you like that? I don't. What are we going to do about that damn website? It's like very disconcerting to me. We're doing everything we can. Nothing. On this end, anyway. Eric said the guy got out of the shower. Right. Maybe he's got a magic wand, like fix it. Maybe he can wave his magic wand well, and hope he dries off. Thing and nothing happened. What? I hope he dries off before he tries to fix it, you know. Yeah, that would be really bad if he got electrocuted. He got fried. But, and at least if he's going to get fried, I hope he fixes the thing before that happens. Please. Let's see. For your information, I'm still streaming you uh, live here in beautiful Vegas, somebody says. Well, that's good. Thank God for that. Thank you for making the effort to send that in as opposed to right. like that. Did you see it's that other comment on there right under the video? What? On your uh, MySpace, somebody else showed up and gave you a spy report, too. Oh. It looks like I paid them to do it, but I didn't. Oh, I didn't see that. Let me go look. Okay. Why do you a whistle of tune? That's a, a lyric now these days, you know. Button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's one too. Yeah. But it's always there. Okay, I'm looking under the thing here. I, I don't see any comment. Why don't you just read it to me as opposed to putting me through this grotesque exercise? Okay, let me go to it. What is this? I don't see any comment. I see the video. Yeah, right under that video should be a nice comment from Andy. No, I don't see no comment from Andy. Angie. 
or Angie or Andy or, any, or anybody else. There's no comment. So There's slow. no I'm comment. There. Don't you understand? I saw it. Let me get to it. You know I'm slow over here, this computer. The comment is from Mark, and it's about that uh, Keith Olbermann thing I played, which I would have thought that that would have been, like, breathtaking and spectacular, but, uh, you know. It's weird you don't comment. see it. Let me get what? to it. Let me get to it. Oh, under Mark's. How did Mark get on there? Oh. So you want me to read it? Oh, Angie's in Vidium. Well, why didn't you tell me? I'm trying to. She's uh, knocking that Geo guy, whatever the guy's yeah, name is. She said she came by and saw you, and you weren't hard to find, and everybody had a good time. And oh, that other guy. Yeah, I agree. The other guy's a sour puss, you know. Just an Ojean provocateur, just looking to stir this pot. George wants to smoke it, and this guy wants to stir it. And we're still uh, down. We're still down. That guy better uh, dry his thing off. Guys. It's been about 30 years since his last pubic appearance before catching a plane to Canadadia to escape South Florida. But now, after discovering that Canada Dry Soda is actually made in Plano, Texas, Neil Rogers is back. Saturday, May 17th, see Neil Rogers and George Rodriguez live at Gulfstream Park and Casino in prestigious Hallandale, 3 to 5 p.m. during the Freakness Simulcast. Free Neil and George t-shirts and posters will be given away. Pedal fast as you can in a tricycle race to win an Orlando weekend getaway. This could be your last chance to see the man who lives in Canada, yet bravely chooses to eat microwavable bacon. Don't miss Neil Rogers and George Rodriguez, Saturday, May 17th, 3 to 5 p.m. at Gulfstream Park and Casino. Oh, God. I got $60 for a couple of old boxes of rice aroni. I never knew rice was worth so much. That's right. Rice is at an all-time high. And you can turn your unused rice into money with Cash for Rice. I took these boxes of Uncle Ben's converted rice and converted them into Benjamin's. We'll send you a postage-paid Ziploc bag. Just fill it, send it back to us, and Cash for Rice will mail you a check. I used to get mad when my kids wouldn't finish their food. Now, I just get would you rather have cold, hard rice in the fridge or cold, hard cash in your pocket? Call Cash for Rice now. 11.45 at QM. Don't forget the jerk show from the studio at 2 this afternoon, from the QM studios. No right. free iced coffee today. Sorry. Not necessarily. Oh, so. maybe if you come by, he will give you some free iced coffee. I don't know. That's right. But uh, nevertheless, the good news is, I don't know what he's getting all panicky about, that we don't need our site to be working for the uh, Neil deal because it's on QM.com, right. not on our website. Right. So thank God for that. Thank God for WQM.com, which seems to be working just fine right now. Right, right now. But Well, we got 14 minutes and uh, some right. odd seconds before. The way things are going today, who knows? That's true. It's a little bit of a time. But you know what Jolly Joe says? He says, oh, ho, ho, don't get all, don't be bitching about it. Technical crap happens, you know. Yeah, it sure does, especially in this place, Jolly Joe. It's your specialty du jour every day. See, technical crap. A malfunction at our junction. Jack Uger writes Republicans who just don't get it. He says the Republicans lost another crucial election Tuesday, and that it was their third special election loss in a row. All three were deeply Republican districts in the past. This one was in the heart of Mississippi and was in a district that George Bush won with 62% of the vote in 2004. The Republicans are in deep, deep trouble. If they lose in these districts, the other two were Louisiana's seat they had kept for three decades, and Denny Hastert's former seat in Illinois, they can literally lose anywhere. The whole electoral map can be redrawn. 
So what's their new plan? Go further to the right. No, you schmucks, that's what got you in trouble in the first place. The problem is the Republican Party has become so extreme, there are no moderates left to tell them they should head in the opposite direction. Usually, when a political party is beaten this bad, as they were in 2006 and elections since then, they correct course by going toward the other side of the political spectrum. They head to the center to pick up lost ground. The Republicans, on the other hand, have been more like drunken gamblers who are sure that their next double-down bet is going to make it all up. If we just double down one more time... Well, they did double their bets in these special elections. They spent $1.3 million in Mississippi of the precious $7.2 million the NRCC had left. They brought in Dick Cheney to campaign for their candidate, talk about heading in the wrong direction, and they lost again. They've got to realize that they're not unpopular because they haven't been true enough to their principles. It's because they have. Their principles are merciless and lack all compassion, and it turns out that the American people look for some degree of compassion and competence out of their leaders, so the Republicans are in a bind. They wanted to drown government in a bathtub. They didn't wind up drowning their own party instead. It turns out the American people want a government. They think it serves a purpose. The problem isn't that conservative principles are never right. Of course, it makes sense to lower taxes when the highest marginal tax rate is 70% as it was in 80 when Reagan came into office. But equally obvious is that at some point, taxes can be too low for the government to function effectively. And when you have a gigantic national deficit, a government that can't respond to national emergencies like Hurricane Katrina and a disastrous war you can't pay for, that might be the point where taxes are simply too low to pay for the government the American people want and expect. There might be a time for war, but it's not the answer at all times for any reason at all. We might have to get tough on immigration policies, but we don't have to crush people's souls to do it. There might be a time to get tougher on crime, but the answer isn't always vengeance. The Republicans have lost all sight of moderation. If the Republicans keep heading due right, they'll burn their party to the ground, and someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Charlie Crist will have to rebuild from the ground up as a more moderate, reasonable party. You know, Charlie Gay. Crist. But it will take decades, he says. Remember, George Bush ran as a compassionate conservative in 2000 and won with lots of smoke and mirrors by convincing people that he was a kind-hearted Republican. I think history will look back at 2004 as the aberration. It'll be the outlier in history. The what? Outlier. Oh. In 2000, it was hard to know what Bush was exactly up to, and he lied about his intentions. Remember his no-nation-building and humble foreign policy pledges? But in 2004, we should have known what we were getting into. That election will be known as the Great Mistake. But right now, as we speak, the American people are looking to correct that mistake, and when the Republicans run their tired old campaigns based on pessimism, attack ads, fear-mongering, and dark outlook, they will get crushed. Bank on it. There's a tidal wave coming in 2008, and apparently the Republicans have no idea what's about to happen. Good. That's the good news. The bad news is we're still down. Now, 11.30, you told me in 15 minutes this guy's going to go and wash yeah, off his start. goods. He's going to go what? Start is what he said. Start what? Start working. Ten minutes and 12 seconds until our Neil deal goes on there with Sushi Samba. Can't wait. I can't wait for that damn thing to come back on because I want to see about those Gulfstream shows. Right. Maybe they blew the thing out when I said we ought to be getting a tremendous response on this. That, that Maybe they be. blew it out. You think? I don't. Right. I mean, if we had really, you know, a humongous audience out there, it would be one thing like we used to have. Remember, we could have probably blown the thing out once upon a yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Now who's living in the past? K. Yeah, that's right. Who's being naive now? K. K. Cake. So what's the story? That's the last you heard from Eric. Is that the guy uh, came dripping wet out of the shower? And... <laughs> that was the last thing. Yes. Now was Eric watching this That's online right. or something? Was he? Uh... I did not ask. That's right. He uh, was it still streaming? had shampoo in his hair. Oh my God! It was streaming, is what I heard. A yellow stream. Better get that guy a golf club. That's right. 
God, I wish you could see this picture of Jew Lieberman with his helmet on uh, and no his thanks. bullet. Huh? No thanks. I'll pass. His bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's maybe he's ducking under the sniper fire. What's he doing? Is he going on vacation in Israel? After General David Petraeus testified before the Senate Armed Services Committee in April, conservative pundit Pat Buchanan warned that the neocons may yet get their war on Iran. Buchanan especially singled out Petraeus' agreement with Senator Drew Lieberman when he suggested, is it fair to say that the Iranian-backed special groups in Iraq are responsible for the murder of hundreds of American soldiers and thousands of Iraqi soldiers and civilians? When Lieberman appeared on MSNBC's Morning Joe on Monday, Buchanan reminded him of that question and asked, do you believe the U.S. should conduct airstrikes on the Al-Quds force in Iran if they do not stop this, and do you expect President Bush to do something like that? I hope we don't have to get to the point of moving in any way to, into Iran to strike at the base of the people who are responsible for killing Americans, Lieberman replied. But I do hope that the Quds force and the Iranian government has in mind that it is a distinct possibility. Iranians have been training and arming Iraqi extremists who have gone back into Iraq and are responsible for the killing of hundreds of American soldiers, Lieberman continued angrily. This is an outrageous act. These people have American blood on their hands. So does your president, Mr. Uh, Lieberman, Mr. Erzatz. Despite Lieberman's assertions, it's never been firmly proven that Iran is arming Iraqi militias. The L.A. Times reported last week, Iraqi officials have also accused Iran of meddling in violence and that echoed the U.S. accusations of a new Iranian-made arms being found in Basra. But neither the U.S. nor Iraq has displayed any of the alleged arms to the public or press. A plan to show some alleged Iranian supply explosives to journalists last week in Karbala and then destroy them was canceled after the U.S. realized that none of them was from Iran. In his column last week, Buchanan expressed concern that the administration had also painted itself and us into a corner with the war talk, and that as a result, we're likely headed either for negotiations with Iran or war. Speaking to Lieberman on Monday, Buchanan cited Richard Nixon's bombing of Cambodia as a president asked, why is President Bush hesitating to do what should be done in your judgment to protect American soldiers? I'm sure he hopes the diplomatic efforts Lieberman began uncertainly. He then continued with more confidence. The best way for a real military conflict to be avoided here is for the Iraqis to tell their neighbors, we want to live in peace with you, but we're not going to stand by if you continue to kill thousands of Iraqis and Americans. The maniacal Jew Lieberman. That's the reason we've had all these years of Bush, him on the Agor ticket. Forget about mm-hmm. all that, you know, all the uh, fixed vote in Florida and all that stuff, the hanging chads and the Supreme Court. And that wonderful Antonin Scalia, whom Leslie Gore kissed so much that her, her lips are, are attached to his ass permanent. She has no lips. Leslie Gore? Leslie Stahl. Did I say Leslie Gore? Her, too. Oh, she said, it's my party. Cue her up right now. It's my party. Are you going to play that crap? Don't do it. So what's the story, Chris? We back on or what? Not that I see. Not that you see. Correct. Where's Leslie Gore? It's my oh. party. And I'll cry. I'll give a good. You're gonna cry, and she was obsessed with crying, right? Yeah. Well, that was back in the '60s. You know, there was a lot of crying going on in the '60s. A lot of drugs, a lot of sex, a lot of crying. Oh yeah. And those who weren't getting any of either one. Right. I'm clicking on the NeilRogers.com, and you know what I'm getting? Nothing. I'm getting problem loading page. How about you? Correct. I'm getting nothing. I'm getting hungry. Oh, do they bring any food? No, it's uh, it's going to be. They don't open till twelve, so it'll be here like twelve twenty or thirty. Gerald said. Remember Gerald? That's his name, right? I believe so. Yes. <laughs> 
There is really such a person, huh? There really is. I saw him. We have exactly five minutes until uh, we open up the uh, thing. The old store. On WQM.com. Thank goodness that site is working. What? I'm going to go and look at it now. You're going to go? I thought you'd done that already. Twice. I still am somewhat shocked. Takes a lot to shock me that Dave Johnson was so negative on Big Brown. I mean, he just demolished the field in the Derby. I mean, he just was on cruise control. But, like Dave said, he's been calling the races for 600 years, and what the hell do I know? And that's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't know nothing. So give me a racing form or something next time. You got it. Quit the flying blind. I didn't even know there was a way to do that. That's how little I know. What? I didn't even know there was a way to do that. Well, how could you possibly possibly make a decision on which horse to bet in a race without information about what Racing forms for tracks that you're not at. What do I know about that? There is Why? one daily racing form. Okay. See, it has all the thoroughbred tracks like that are I running that day. It has like all the that. entries and the like past performance charts. Like I do that? There is only one. Remember the line in The, in the Exorcist? Mm-hmm. There is only one. 1156 at QM. Ross Leitman. And I like scrubbing my smelly gorilla ass with soap made from jewels. And listening to the near Amunista Hour. Numbers from North Carolina has projected Barack Obama as the winner. He right now has 64% of the vote. Hillary Clinton with 34%. Goodbye, Hillary. And he never liked you at all. You had the balls to rally votes from women big and small. Thank all of our women. The campaign would work. We can all see how well that works. Just because of so shame on you, Barack Obama. And it seems to me you'll spend your life fighting scandals till the end. We're just oh getting God. warmed up. Never know who will fight you when the campaign ends. I am a fighter. And I That happens. Because I'm human, which, you know, for some people is a revelation. It's a shock. 1201 at 560 WQM. We're back up with our yep. website. you got 47 Woo. votes on there. we got uh, 78 certificates. We started with mm-hmm. 100, and we got 78 left. Aren't you excited that we got this uh, thing back I, up? I am. I was really thrilled when it came back up. When George does the show's too. a call stream, what's your take? 49 votes. We'd have a lot more than that if the site would have been up there. But nevertheless, we'll keep it up to one. What do you say? All right. It's okay, 20. I love it, 14. I turn it off nine. It sucks. Six. <laughs> Including that Geo guy probably voted that. Don't worry, Joe. We'll give you your money back. Not. Yeah, give him his 20 bucks back. And give him back the hour of his life, too, while you're at it. How are we doing? We still got 78? 76 trombones. So, Chris, is that's your assignment. Can you handle it? Keep your I eye on it. And I'll keep my eye on the pole. On our website, which, thank God, is back up. Thanks, Eric, for uh, your feverish work. And thanks to the guy who's still dripping wet. That's right. Get him a towel. Apparently a couple of circuit breakers popped, so they had to reset. Wow. You're getting a report, an update from Eric? He called like three times. Did clothes on, uh, or did he just go out there naked? I didn't ask, and I don't want to know. Maybe he stuck his pocket rocket in the right socket. 
You think that might be it? Maybe he's got a magic wand. 54 votes on your poll. Only six say it sucks. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm really relieved because I was worried about that. Because they're always saying, oh, we don't want to hear about horse racing. But, of course, we don't talk that much specifically about no. racing other than we, you know. When we're, when we're betting. And, yeah, when you're betting. And I think it's funny that it's uh, the, the cluster fork that it is. What do you mean by that? That's what, uh, that's what people have told me, even the people that don't even understand what we're saying. It's funny because you're yelling at me. They love that. Twelve minutes till the first post at the Meadows with Roger Houston in the Meadows. And here's Jerry Bailey's Inside Track DVD. I answer all those questions and much, much a, more. There's a great jockey, Jerry DVD. Bailey, who, like all other jockeys, is like a little munchkin, you know, but, uh, but right. more uh, like human. By the way, that was uh, Jose Santos we saw last night. I really? He's a great jockey. Boy, I remember the days way back, speaking of Gulfstream, when he was really on fire before he went to New York. Mm-hmm. And he was riding Gulfstream, and his, his main thing would be he would be like last almost every race. And he would make this gigantic move around the last turn and just sweep by the field and win so many races like that. That was his patented trademark in, in uh, Florida. How do you like that? Great jockey. So what did he say? Did you? Uh... No, no. He was. They were. The, his party was leaving the restaurant when uh, that got the owner Mal. Uh, what's it? Mal Burroughs. Mal Burroughs. Yeah. Pointed uh, pointed him out and, uh, and said a lot of jockeys get there because that's uh, that's the place they hang. It's a horse place. Now what place is this? Uh, the Saratoga in down, downtown Hollywood. Really nice place. Great. Really, really, really good food. Well, let's see. you got 71 minutes till uh, post-time at Churchill Downs, 56 minutes till 1 o'clock, uh, the first race at Belmont, and 66 minutes till Pimlico, the first race that I'll be seeing here. We're not going to do this every day because you're not... You're no, not let me get that there. online account going, and then we can do it every day. <laughs> get off of that racing channel, you idiot. I'm talking to myself. God, what a fool. No, I, I just enjoy watching it. I don't have... In fact, it's somewhat stress-free when you don't have a bet down, you know. Now you wouldn't. You're not that much of a aficionado that you would enjoy watching it with no bet, betting interest. No. You would could care less, right? If I had a little bit more uh, liquid change. I would, uh, yeah. Liquid I'd, change? Yeah, liquid money. I might be. Seventy-four votes on the pool. When George does those shows at Gulfstream, what's your take? It's okay, thirty-one. I love it, twenty-two. You put those two together, you got like um, mm-hmm. over seventy percent, almost seventy-one percent. Right. I turn it off thirteen. That's bad, and it sucks eight. So that's like 28% negatory. Mm-hmm. And, and quite frankly, just about anything with this audience, if oh, they yeah. like it, it's... I'm surprised. Well, if they like it, it's a miracle. We still got 70, oh, 73 on the uh, certificates. They're not the... The first uh, 20 went in chunks. It went from right. 100 to 90 to 80. Those are the uh, South kinda... Beach people that know all about it. They jumped on theirs right away. Yeah, that's right. You people out there, once they're gone, man, they're going to be gone. Speaking of the uh, golf club that you pee in, and everybody seems to be peeing up a storm these days, you notice how many spots there are on TV for, what do they call that? Erectile dysfunction? No, no, not that. Uh, that is something else in the same area, though. The uh, swollen prostate business? No, well, that, that too. But, okay. but uh, for guys, that, for people who can't stop peeing. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, like yeah. Flomax. Is that what it is? That's one of them. Stop the flow, Max. <laughs> Here's an article from USA Today on tap in space, urine will not go to waste. Astronauts living in the International Space Station soon will take recycling to new extremes. They'll get some of their drinking water from the toilet. All right. NASA has spent decades perfecting a system to transform urine into water that can be used in space for drinking, food preparation, and washing. Agency officials say the water from the system will be cleaner than U.S. tap water. I'm sure of that. Mm-hmm. How do you like that? Well, of course. The new $250 million machine was being unpacked yesterday at the Space's Shuttle's Florida launch site. Shuttle Endeavor is scheduled to take it to the station this fall. 
If all goes well, the so-called toilet-to-tap system will be fully operational in six months. Toilet-to-tap. Tap on this. Russia developed a similar system in the 80s, but it never flew in space because of concerns over crew squeamishness, says former station astronaut Leroy Chow, now a space consultant. He says station crews expect hardships they aren't like, but aren't likely to object. You're going to the space station as part of exploration. He says, this is just something you have to put up with, and that's okay. Some of the crew's drinking water already comes from an unconventional source, evaporated laundry water and sweat, which are captured by a Russian machine man. Oh, yeah, those Russians sweat up the storm, especially wood by. Do they? Oh, God. You ever scrape their back? I, sometimes I want to ask some of these people, some of these old Europeans there, do you ever get out of the house or just, just to come here and annoy people? <laughs> you know what I mean by that? Yeah. I mean, these people have, have no social right. prowess whatsoever. They just have no social skills, man. They stink, and then they... There was one bitch who was standing... I do use the word bitch very emphatically. Mm -hmm. She was standing with her obnoxious husband who wouldn't shut up. Bye, 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 in Russian. And she was standing, like, almost right on top of me, and she had her arm mm -hmm. on the side of the machine, so her elbow was up, so, like, her smelly, sweaty Ooh. armpits, her hairy's are like, right ah. in my face. Ah. Yeah. The Ruskies, man, I'm going to tell yeah. you, I don't know if we have any Russians out there in the audience, but you sure. people better, uh, better get the word around, okay? Josh's ex-girlfriend, but uh, she don't smell like that. Well, thank God for that. Nor does she know? have Did hairy armpits. a little bit? Nor does she have hairy armpits. I sniffed her a lot. Uh, yeah, I bet. Mm. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. NASA developed a new system because water is so heavy to carry to orbit. Once the number of station residents grow from three to six next year, it would be impossible to ship enough water to the station, says Mary Beth Dean of NASA's Johnson Space Center. So we're going to get water from your Johnson. A toilet to arrive on the station this fall will funnel liquid waste of the new system through pipes, but the wastewater from the station's older toilet will have to be carried in tanks to the processing machine mon. Their water will be distilled from the waste and undergo six steps to cleanse it, including the addition of iodine to kill microbes. Iodine. Oh, you want to be drinking iodine? Mmm, purple. Do they actually, does anybody even buy iodine anymore? I don't know. I'm a mercurochrome guy myself. Yeah, mercurochrome <laughs> is like less, uh, yeah. When I was a kid, there was, you had two sure. iodine, which was very, like, really heavily medicinal. You know, <coughs> mercurochrome was like, yeah. Mercurochrome is like a little more watery. Mm -hmm. And didn't stain your fingers so much. The machine will also suck in humidity from the astronaut's sweat and breath and clean it. Oh, I hope so. I'm drinking your sweat now. It's what we do on Earth anyway, you know. Mother Nature takes care of that for the us. The end product will fill the bowls of the new toilet. will also dribble from taps in a galley in a hygiene center where astronauts will bathe and brush their teeth. The new machine will provide roughly half the crew's water intake, says Bob Bagdigian of NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center, including one and three quarters gallons per person per day for drinking and food. Recycling wastewater is also gaining popularity on Earth. A dozen or so U.S. communities have plants that cleanse sewage so it can be added to aquifers that supply drinking water. The biggest plan, which can serve a half a million people, opened this year in Orange County, California. Public disgust has squelched such systems in San Diego and L.A. And Dean admits the recycled water poses a psychological issue to get past, but says that after tasting it many, many times, she can't tell it apart from any other water. It's not urine anymore. It's water. It used to be pee, but now it's a water. Mm -hmm. I very much understand public squeamishness, Bagdigian said, but he added he doesn't have to contend with it because you're talking about people who have already come to grips with putting themselves on a rocket. So why not drink water from a pocket rocket or like that? Sure. Or from one of those golf clubs. Yeah, you could do that. Sure. They could have a whole bunch of golf clubs on, sure. on the... Uh... Pee in one and drink out of the other. That's true. I never thought about that. Thank goodness. 73, is that up to date? Yeah. Uh, yes. 69. So you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I just refreshed a minute ago. It's still 73. 69, man. 
Can we say that? Asteroids are going to say 69. Oh, sorry. 60, uh, like that. 99 votes on this poll. Now that it's almost 100, now we should get a much clearer picture of how they feel about George and those horse shows. When George does those shows at Gulfstream, what's your take? 99 votes. It's okay, 40. Okay. I love it, 30. So that's uh, 70.7% right there. I turn it off, 19, and it sucks only 10. And in this tough crowd that we work right. with, you know, no, I'm surprised. I'm surprised by that. Only it. 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. Because all you got to do is give them the opportunity to bitch about to something. To say it sucks. They'll, they'll right take away. it. Ah, where were you? I wasted an hour of my life and 20 bucks. Ah, oh, ah. God. His name. The best talent. It's not only what you drive, but how hard you drive it. Oh, my. Look, it's up again. Don't let it go down. I like when it goes Oh, oh. There's no smoking near this pump because this action is too hot. Oh, yeah, baby. Our full service includes checking your dipstick. <laughs> prices have never been this big. Order your copy of Gas Prices Gone Wild today. Oil companies are standing by. Okay, 1216 and 560 WQM. I have some bad news for you. We were at 69. Now we're back up to 71 on the certificates. Yep. Yep. Not good. Well, there are a lot of people who aren't into a sushi. You know, I hate to say that because I'm sure it's a fine establishment, but nevertheless. Well, they got a lot of other stuff, too. Maybe they're just getting yeah. scared off by the, uh, what you call it? By the name? The name, yeah. Well, when the food comes in, is it there yet? No, no, not yet. They are all kinds of sandwiches and noodle bowls and, you know, things like that. You can rave about how great it is. And maybe that'll, like, uh, you know, light a fire under this audience's ass. Under their collective ass. Don't forget, come out and see us this uh, Saturday, 3 to 5 at Gulfstream. We'll be somewhere. Geo will point out where we're going to be. Right. Front and center. Whatever that means. Sure. Like, there's no way to miss it. 116 votes on your poll about your Gulfstream appearances. And, of course, George don't really care what you think. Well, look at that. We had a couple of down uh, on the streaming. We got all kinds of stuff going on. Most of it not very good. Uh, still 71. We had two of bogus. Probably a chicken neck. Trying to use his old Montgomery Ward and Jefferson's cards. Mm-hmm. They're not buying it. 118. When George does the shows from Gulfstream, it's okay. 46. I love it. 35. I turn it off. 25. And it sucks. 12. It sucks. Like that. A new U.S. government report reveals that nearly 2,500 children being held in military custody in Iraq and Afghanistan by the U.S. are not uniformly protected as mandated by the U.N. protocol. Neither contends the ACLU or those gov- the government seeks as new recruits here at home. The report submitted yesterday to the U.N. Committee on the Rights of the Child shows that there is no set policy in place to handle youth under the age of 18 captured and detained by the U.S. military in Iraq and Afghanistan. It is shocking! said Jamil Dakwar, director for the ACLU's Human Rights Program, to know that the U.S. is holding hundreds of juveniles in Iraq and Afghanistan, even more disturbing that there is no comprehensive policy in place that will protect their rights as children. Juveniles and former child soldiers should be treated first and foremost as candidates for rehabilitation and reintegration into society, not subjected to further victimization. The ACLU, in additional report, says that the U.S. lack of policies towards underage detainees violates not only the international norm, but the optional protocol on the involvement of children in armed conflict ratified in 2002. The protocol mandates... What was that? Sorry. What was that? I farted. Oh. The pro- I can smell it. 
Protocol mandates that no person under 18 years of age be forced to join a military force and calls to protect, with all feasible measures, members of military force under the age of 18 from direct combat, whether in a state military or a militia. About 500 children in Iraq alone are being held without charge in U.S.-run facilities. The government says the children are being taught to contribute positively to the future of Iraq. The ACLU contends that in addition to these children, up to 23 children under 18 are being held at the infamous Bagram military base in Afghanistan, and up to 60 at Gitmo. They're going to get more than they bargain for. You teach them a thing or two, ain't it? Yep. Now, how are we doing on this uh, thing? Still 71? Yep. Still 71 certificates. We started with 100, and we're still sitting there on 71. Oh, my God. It's a good thing I'm going on vacation tomorrow, I'll tell you that. Yep. So much stress and so much pressure, it's enough to make you want to crumble. What is the Jewish cracker called? The professor, who's supposed to be an intelligent person, asked me, what's the Jewish cracker called? Redneck. You ever hear such a question in your life? Matzah is what he's talking about. Matzah man. Hmm. The Jewish cracker. I, I'm just about ready to, like, cave in today. You know what I mean by that? No. I'm about ready to crumble. The nation's first openly gay governor tried to convince the judge in his divorce case yesterday that he's too poor to pay alimony, saying he's been financially crippled by his resignation and marital troubles. Former New Jersey Governor James McGreevy said he has limited income and few assets and is all but unemployable these days. I got my furnishings at a Huffman Coos going out of business sale, McGreevy said when asked to describe his belongings. By the way, I'm shopping for my wardrobe at the Goodwill these days, for those who are wondering. Like, are you still shopping at Kmart? Ho, 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 ho. McGreevy and his wife, Dina Matos McGreevy, have been separated since he left Orifice in November 2004. Three months after he said he had an affair with a male staffer and planned to resign, the staffer denies he had any affair with McGreevy and accused him of sexual harassment. Evidently, the governor had the hots for this uh, guy. Like that. The hots. Mm -hmm. The couple have agreed on custody of their only child, six-year-old Jacqueline, but are fighting over alimony, child support, and how to divide their assets and liabilities. Matos, Matza McGreevy, is asking the court to award her alimony additional money based on a contention that McGreevy committed marriage fraud. She said she was duped into marriage by a gay man who needed the cover of a wife to advance his political career. Like you're a governor. Oh, he's got a girlfriend, you know, Charlie Christ. He couldn't possibly be gay, Neil. You're wrong. You think everybody is your governor. He's got a girlfriend, yeah. A girlfriend named Bruce. McGreevy counters that his wife, whom he married in 2000, should have known he was gay and that for most of their marriage she made more money than him. She should have known he was some kind of a fag, for Christ's sakes. Looking at all those naked pictures of guys, sniffing jockstraps. He spent hours on the stand yesterday detailing his jobs and sources of income. Because of this case, I've been financially crippled, he said. He's expected to be on the stand today, as a matter of fact. He may be on there right now, singing, I want to testify. Now an Episcopal seminary student... <laughs> McGreevy, 50, said he owes a prior divorce lawyer at least 116 grand and hasn't paid his first ex-wife any child support this year. He said he relies on his boyfriend to pay legal bills and lifestyle expenses. McGreevy acknowledged that he's indifferent to money and passed up opportunities to increase his income during his marriage by instead running for public orifice. Before he took the stand, McGreevy lawyer Stephen Haller told the judge the ex-governor should not have to pay alimony to his wife because the couple's short-term marriage does not qualify for uh, her for it. Haller accused Matos McGreevy, 41, of having an emotional vendetta against his client. Matza McGreevy. Isn't that funny? I just got that text message there about Matza, and we're reading a story about Matza McGreevy. Uh -huh. Matos. Co coincidence? No. 
Haller said Dina Matos McGreevy's earnings exceeded her husband during about half of their marriage. John Post, who represents Dina Matsa McGreevy, said he, it was absurd that the two partners had equal earnings and said McGreevy is underestimating his earning potential. Post noted that McGreevy earned four hundred twenty-nine grand in 2006, 185 grand last year. During his testimony, McGreevy said he proposed writing a tell-all book with his estranged wife, but she turned him down and later wrote her own memoir. McGreevy said he was initially offered a million dollars to write his life story shortly after leaving office in disgrace, but later signed a book contract for far less schmuck. He said his goal was not to make money, but to help gay lesbian teenagers who might find the courage to live openly after reading about his life as a closeted gay man. It was about my failures and my sins, he said of his book, The Confession. The Confession. Oh, don't tell me this thing has uh, died again on us. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is getting really ponderous. Our website is out again. Oh, no. You know what that means, don't you? It's the end of the world. Yes. As we know it. Still well, 71 on that, huh? I'd say let's just go home if there weren't food coming. Oh, 69. We're back to 69. Yeah, we still two more. But as far as our website, Gornish Telfin. It ain't there. It's back. Those, those uh, circuit breakers must have popped again. There it is. So maybe Eric wants to get that guy out of the shower again. Will you at least let him finish one shower and wash off his goods and stuff? Has that ever happened to us before, twice in one day? I don't think it so. It must have. I don't know. No, get out of here. Get out of town. So who's do you think going to come by to see us on Saturday? Think everybody. Gathering? Everybody. Well, what does that mean? The good, the bad, the ugly. The ridiculous and the sublime. Mm-hmm. Mostly the ridiculous and the ugly. I'm sure of that. Positive. Mm-hmm. So you never did finish your story about Jose Santos. He was having dinner at the... So we're having the Saratoga, downtown Hollywood. Great place. Right. Family dining. Best deal in the city. And, and the owner, Mal Burroughs, was uh, talking to us about, uh, uh, you know, what a smart ass I am for, you know, giving you a hard time about the trotters and all the crap that I say. And the Jose Santos parties was leaving, and he pointed them out, and that's the end of the story. So oh, I what, see. So, in other words, you didn't like... There goes Jose Santos. A lot of jockeys hang out here because, uh, you, you know... You didn't like speaking Espanol with Jose. No, I did not. Or in English. Or I would have asked him how come the trotters don't run as fast as they can. He's not a... Uh, he's a jockey, uh, no. not a trotter. He probably would have laughed and said, I don't know, that's why I do thoroughbreds. He probably wants to know how come a lot of the thoroughbreds don't run as fast as they should either. Oh, that would have been a shot now, wouldn't it? 26 past noon at 560 WQM. We're having all sorts of technical issues here today, but you know what? Vacation for me tomorrow. I'll somehow survive. I'll fake my way through.
31 and 560 WQAM on a really nifty Thursday, man. Everything is all screwed up. So what, did any more information from Eric or what? No. I didn't get it. Yes, the, they're having problems with the circuit breaker, so they are changing out equipment. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's what he said. So what does that instead, mean? Instead of just flipping the breaker and hoping, I guess they know that something's tripping it, so they're changing out breakers. They're tripping? Well, it's California, you know. Well, you know. So that was the uh, response he called during the break. And we still have 69 certificates left for Sushi Samba. 69 out of 100. We're not, they're not exactly flying off the shelf yet. Now, is the food there yet or what? Yeah. Yes. And? What do you got? Sushi. Some of it's and? cooked. And uh, I haven't even started. It just showed up. But I'm about to dig into it right now. Well, dig into it and uh, rave about it and uh, assuming, it, you know, assuming that it's good. Well, we know it's going to be good. <laughs> it smells good. And then maybe we'll move uh, some more. And then maybe we'll get our website back, too. Very strange day, man. Really mysterious. Pressed by the demands of the global war on terrorism, the U.S. is violating an international protocol that forbids the recruitment of children under the age of 18 for military service, according to a new report released Tuesday by a major civil rights group that charged the recruitment practices target children as young as 11 years old. Let me just, can I send a message here? Sure. Please, go ahead. You and while you're sending, I'll tell you that Eric just called. We are on yes. the backup, backup system, and that it should be up and running in a couple minutes. Really? See. That's it? Well, that's what he called to say. Three more letters. Okay. Well, it's very important. Not really. I just, you know, it was more important than whatever's going on here. <laughs> okay. Well, my mind is in vacation mode. Don't you understand? I understand it very well, and I'm on in Eaton mode. So let's just have a lot. Should of I start this uh, story again because it's important? And that other okay. story was about kids who are being, you know, held in detention. Uh, you know, why not abuse kids too? As long as we're abusing adults, why not uh, abuse right. kids why should and they be loved them out? And detain them? I don't want them to be jealous. Just like Hitler did, you know, with the little kids. After he ran out of adult soldiers, he signed up all the little kids. Remember that? They all died oh, yeah. too. Pressed by the demands of the global war on terrorism, the U.S. is violating an international protocol that forbids the recruitment of children under the age of 18 for military service, according to a new report released Tuesday by a major civil rights group that charged the recruitment practices target children as young as 11 years old. How do you like that? Oh, my God. The 46-page report, Soldiers of Misfortune, which was prepared by the ACLU for submission to the U.N. Committee on the Rights of the Child, also found that U.S. military disproportionately targets poor and minority public school students. What a surprise. Aren't you shocked by that? Not no, we knew that. Military recruiters, according to the report, use exaggerated promises of financial rewards for enlistment, which undermines the volu uh, voluntariness of their enlistment. What does that mean? Voluntariness? That sounds like truthiness. In some cases documented by the report, recruiters used coercion, deception, even sexual abuse in order to gain recruits. Perpetrators of such practices are only very rarely punished, the report found. 
The U.S.'s military procedures for recruiting students plainly violate internationally accepted standards and fail to protect youths from abusive and aggressive recruitment tactics, said Jennifer Turner of the ACLU Human Rights Project. The increased aggressiveness of military recruiters is new in major part, according to the report, to the increased pressure to meet enlistment quotas caused by ongoing U.S. military operations in Iraq and Afghanistan, to which nearly 200,000 soldiers and Marines are currently deployed. The pressure created by current military commitments is not only translated into enhanced recruitment efforts among children under 18, as young as 11. The armed forces have also lowered their standards for minimum intelligence tests, made it easier to enlist individuals with criminal records, and increased reenlistment bonuses for soldiers who might otherwise be tempted to leave the service. The report, which also detailed Washington's failure to protect foreign child soldiers being held by U.S. forces at Guantanamo Bay and elsewhere around the world as part of its submission to the U.N. Committee on the Rights of the Child, assesses Washington's compliance with the optional protocol on the involvement of children in the armed conflict. The protocol is designed to protect the rights of children under 18 and may be recruited by the military and deployed to war. Okay, so what did Eric say now? I wasn't paying any attention. I was sending a text message. I was reading the story on the air. I was uh, confused. He said, we are now on, like, backup, backup equipment for the moment. We sold another one there for a sushi samba. Correct. Now, what are you eating? Shrimp sushi. tempura. And all kinds of water. And the backup. Oh, happy day. Those Edwin Hawkins singers, man, we, they've been so busy on this show lately. We've had many unhappy days. So maybe cue them up. I'll have to put these chopsticks down. Oh, well, don't do that. Are you eating with chopsticks? Yeah. Now, you're a sushi guy, right? You sushi. sushi? Right, yeah. i gotta, I got to confess, I'm a little squeamish. First of all, I don't like fish. Right, well, one would no, have sushi. to. For starters, one would have to. Yeah. But, like, you know, shrimp tempura is a fried shrimp uh, kind of a thing. So. Well, I like that. If you... Uh, you know, I do like, like fried shrimp, I love shrimp and, and rice and uh, things like that. And it's got, like, a, a, a really good sauce, like sugary, a sweet sauce that you dip it in? It can, but uh, I use soy sauce. Oh. And wasabi. Wasabi. <laughs> I see. I don't think I have that in here. Where the hell is that? I don't have that? Well, don't, don't worry like about it. I got a spicy tuna roll. I got uh, like a bagel roll. I got, I don't know, California roll. All kinds of rolls. Any halva? No, but uh, I'm when sure When George does the shows at Gulfstream, what's your take? That's our poll. We got this back up there. Because I know that they're all sitting on the edge of their seats waiting for the final tally here. Sally. Mm-hmm. 140 votes. It's okay, 57. I love it, 39. You put those two together, you get over about 68%. I turn it off 28, and it sucks 16. That's 31%. That's less than a turd out of 140 vote. So what do you think? Are we going to sell these out by two or what, Chris? <laughs> Chris yes. always says, oh, yeah. Always. And we'll also, we'll also have like 6,000 votes on the poll because we've got three of them going. By the do way, you want to keep this one going here, or do you want me to change it? I thought you were going to keep it until one. Keep it until one. Right. Well, by yeah, the way, see, it's a... What? Just so you know, because um, I, I know you don't know from bento boxes. It's uh, just a, a Japanese way of serving the food. I hate to break the news to you, but there's a fast food joint here. Uh, no, not a fast food. Yeah, it's yeah. a, um, not a fast food, but in one of the food courts here, mm-hmm. there's a bento box joint. Oh, really? Well, yeah. you know all about it. But so they have, no, uh, I don't. I've salmon, seen it, but I don't know Salmon teriyaki, chicken teriyaki, ribeye teriyaki, shrimp tempura, vegetable tempura, all these uh, like you know dishes yeah. besides just sushi there. A bento box is how Japanese serve food sometimes. It's just a way. And what is it? What is a bento box? Well, it's a box, and it's compartmentalized. A Japanese you have box. Different, different dishes in uh, different, um, what do you call it, foods in different compartments in the box there. Oh, so like if you go to the uh, market, 
and they have like uh, fresh foods every day. You mm-hmm. know, they can put it right. in one of those little uh, things. That's right. It's got compartments in it. Right. So you don't. So you don't get your like roast beast. Right. Uh, and the gravy with it right. all mixed so up with your macaroni your and cheese. Juice doesn't. I don't uh, want to make it know. sound like I occasionally do right. get macaroni and cheese from the market, but I do. You're gonna die up there. Yeah, eventually, someday, <laughs> probably. I'm thinking I probably will die here because I spend much more time here than down there. But you yeah. never know. You do the best you can. That's the way I look at life. You wake up every morning, and the fact that you're alive, especially when you get to be a real old fart like me, the fact that you're breathing and you're alive and you're coherent, you're uh, not so bad, you know. Right. In addition to me, like, uh, luckily, I don't have all those aches and pains like a lot of Good. bitter, old, nasty farts, you know. Keep like all those. Yeah. Like you're doing. I'm doing. Right. I, I think just in, in one day, on an average day, including why if I go to Woodbine, and I like take the car and I park and drive it to walk to the uh, entrance. In one day here, I walk more than I would in a year down there. In a year, really? You think I'm exaggerating? No, I don't. I'm telling you. I'm smelling you, and I'm telling you. And especially uh, during the time when we didn't have that damn party. I mean, that wonderful uh, solstice. Now, did I mention to you that I'm uh, driving one of the uh, Corvettes back up here? Uh, I think you did mention it once. And I got me a nice parking space downstairs from some nice old uh, Czechoslovakian lady. And then I'll have my own car to drive around, my own Corvette. Now, do you think that Paco's right. going to get to drive that thing? I don't know. Maybe if he asks nice. Or if he cries. <laughs> you don't love me. You don't make quieres. Viejo maricón, you don't make quieres. Oh, talk about the popcorn of kettle pink. Wow. Looks like Heath Omer again four times between now and two. What do you say? Sounds like a real plan to me. Okay. Barack Obama, middle name Hussein. If you're nominated, you'll lose to McCain. You have a message. It is filled with hope. Didn't I read in your book you used to smoke dope? Just you wait until the big convention. All the sober delegates will be mine. Then all of your supporters will be angry. Hear how they whine. Barack Obama, no, you cannot win. I'm the only one who can be Republican. This campaign feels like it's never ending. People think that I'm out of my mind. I'll tell the pundits when I'm nominated. Kiss my behind. (laughs) Barack Obama, middle name Hussein. I'm the only one who can beat John McCain. I am the walrus. Cuckoo could choose me. No. You know, I think it's good that she's standing. Do you realize how boring it would be if she just threw in the towel and said, okay, it's, yeah. I mean, it's only the, uh, what, 15th of May? Right. What would they talk about on all the news channels all That's the right. time? They'd probably have to talk about Dancing with the Stars and Jason Taylor and crap like that all the time. And about how the Patriots cheat. Oh, Spygate, the Patriots cheat. Oh. You know, when you go 1 in 15, who the hell are these bastards to be talking about anybody? You know, that, that's what really frosts my ass. One in fifteen. Do you have any idea how embarrassing that is, Chris? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Talk to him, Chris. 
Just a little bit. Just a little bit? Well, you know. Hey. How about humiliating and degrading and grotesque? But it's better than 0 and 16. Yeah, well. It could have been. Now, didn't they win that game in overtime? Yes. Yeah, they had to go to overtime to win a game. Great Camarillo. Who was it against? Uh, Ravens. Who ended up the, being, and the coach got fired at the end of the season, basically, for the that game. The scoring challenged Ravens. They, they suck. See. They have no offense. I mean, the quarterback, is uh, he looks good at least, but they, they start, what's his name? The Ravens? Yeah. Bowley, uh, Kyle Bowley, Bowler. Bowler. Kyle Bowler. See, I know it was uh, somebody with a bowling guy. Kyle Bowler. Yeah, he looks pretty good, but he's uh, weak. And uh, they don't score any points. Other than that, they're great. Yeah, that's last season. It's a new year now. Yeah, right. It's a new regime. It's the it's the Bill Parcells. It's the big tuna. Now, maybe you got some big tuna in there in that, your uh, lunch. I do, indeed. You have some walleye tuna? Big tuna rolls. I don't know how walleye What, what does that mean, walleye tuna? I, don't, I never knew what Walleye means when, uh, when a fish has its eyes on both sides of its head, that's walleye. Like a flounder, I believe, uh, is a walleye. Flounder? Are you talking about fat-ass Jolly Joe again? I'll have to check on that. I'm not sure. Flounder. But I, I do believe that a flounder is one of the various walleye fish. Well, what about a uh, what about a dolphin? I'm not talking about a football player. I'm talking about a porpoise. They don't right. have two eyes? Yeah, but they're not on the same side of their head. A walleye has two eyes on the same side of its head? If I'm not mistaken, I'm going to have to verify Get out of here. You're a crazy person. All right. <clears throat> Time to look things up. Walleye has two eyes. Do you believe that, Chris? Um, I mean, I'm looking up a walleye fish, and it's just like a regular-looking fish, but... Does it have six eyes on, uh, on the side of its head, on its I ass? So. Maybe it's got an eye, eye on its ass so we can see where it's been. And it's native to most of Canada. There you go. Figures. I've seen some people at Woodbine with two eyes on the side of their thing. TomPayne.com, making senators, uh, making sense, our future, whatever. Get rid of that. Oh, having bulging eyes is the, uh, not really Bulging the eyes, Wait. not two eyes on the same side there. George made a mistake. George made a mistake. I'll never live it down. Boy, that is really bad. So they have bulging eyes? There are various definitions I'm running into. Like, like a bufo toe. Having large bulging eyes as some fish. Having eyes wide open and glaring as in anger. Having an eye with light-colored iris or white or opaque cornea. Intoxicated. Drunk. Really? Really. A drunk is wall-eyed? I thought pie-eyed. Well, maybe that too. Have you ever heard that expression? Pie-eyed, of course. Cross-eyed. Cross-eyed? Cross-eyed is good. Like, what's your name on uh, Channel 10 used to be? What's your name? The News Witch. Which one? Christy Krueger. Christy Krueger, that's the one. Is she still on? I don't know. And what, what, whatever did happen to our good close friend there at Channel 6, who used to be on Channel 4, but which, now it's Channel 6. Which one? The one that got ballooned up to like 800 pounds. Kelly Craig. Kelly Craig. What happened to her? I don't know. I know she, she was pregnant, and of course all pregnant, most pregnant women get pretty, uh, you know, plump. And then after she uh, spit out the baby, all of a sudden she just, she just kept getting bigger and bigger. When I was home the last time, I wasn't really sure it was her. The, uh, this weekend I'm going to okay. turn on on the weekend. Isn't she out on the weekend a lot? I don't know. In the morning? I'm going to turn on Channel 6 in the weekend. I hope to see Kelly Craig looking at least an ounce lighter than last time. I said, we love you, Kelly. She's a real sweetheart. She's mm -hmm. a nice person. So I found another definition where it's uh, the opposite Wall of being cross-eyed, where your eyes are divergent, meaning uh, facing opposite. Oh, so in other words, they go off to the extreme uh, I, yeah. outsides. So then you have real good peripheral vision, I guess. 
Hear the sirens out there? They're coming. You hear it? Boy. I hear it. Now, is it possible that the first five and a half years that I was here, I never didn't notice it that much, or is it possible that there's just a lot more sure. crap going on the last few months? It just never seems to end. But and everybody says, Oh, any big city is like that. Okay. Yeah. You know, like plantation. Right. That ain't no city. It sure as hell is. You better watch your uh, your ass, mister. It's a bedroom town. You start town. knocking plantation. It's another bedroom town of which there are 8 million of them. All the bedroom towns. All, there, there's no uh, nothing. I mean, there's downtown Miami, and everybody's trying to give me a song. Ass. Oh, you got to go to downtown Miami. No. Or a Fort Lauderdale downtown. No. I mean, my the obvious question to me would be why. Why do you have to go to those places? I don't know. Downtown Hollywood. Have you ever found out is the Omni still there or not? Kind of like a flea market or something right now. I don't know. I'm sure it's still there. Remember the Omni when it first sure. opened? Sure. Nobody was going there then either except drug dealers. All the Colombians, man, they had suitcases full of cash, and they were coming out with all them VCRs and cameras and crap, all them electronics. Remember those days? No. Let's talk about the days when Neil was cruising the boulevard, baby, back in the uh, 70s and 80s, early 80s. That guy, he'll show up Saturday. That, that guy's just uh, a crazy person. No longer there. What, the uh, Omni? Correct. You positive? I found a story. Are you sure? Malls.com. Yes, oh, I like that. Omni International Mall of Miami. The last paragraph says, Today, in 2006, the mall space is still empty, all gutted out to make way for failed business space ideas that never got off the ground. It is an empty shell with the exception of an art school that moved into the first floor of the Jordan Marsh space. Jordan Marsh? Now, see, that I don't understand. Although the hotel still stands and operates normally. 68, we sold another one of our deals, although I think we had 68, didn't we? Well, 68, still, for Sushi Samba. Maybe these people just don't want to go to Lincoln Road. Maybe they're not Miami Beach crowd. Maybe they don't like sushi. I don't right. know. Maybe they're just a bunch of hard asses. How about the Maybe Miami Beach crowd buying some? What? How about the Miami Beach crowd buying some? What Miami Beach crowd? We have listeners on Miami Beach. What are you talking we about, man? Your people. We should. Your people. My people, in other words, Yay. Queens. Yeah, is that what you're talking about? We're going to have a lot of fags on Miami Beach listening? Yes, that's exactly what I'm it's talking about. It's been closed for almost nine years. The beach or the Omni? Omni. December 31st, oh, 1999. Wow. Boy, you better get around more, Neil. If you'd spend all your time in South Florida, you'd see all the damn places that are closed down. You'd be really, really depressed. It's like when you go back anywhere years later. Right. You can never go back. I, I, I saw a thing at the Boston Globe today. It was about all the different ice creams. You know, what's your favorite place for ice cream locally? In, yeah. in the Boston area. And Brigham's wasn't even listed. And so I Googled Brigham's, and there's a big article about it, and uh, they merged with some other company from New York State. Now they're in New York, but it's still Brigham's. And it's not even listed there. I'm going to tell you, Brigham's was so good that I, I, if I still lived in Boston, I'd be dead. The food there was just awesome. Now, there's a lot of food that's overrated. Like in the North End, there's a lot of Italian restaurants that really suck. So if you go to Boston for the first time, don't go to the North End and expect that any Italian restaurant you walk into is going to really be great, because some of them really suck. I'll take the uh, old Prince Spaghetti House any day, baby, for that for dinner and then stop at Brigham's on the way home with my little 1960 Corvair. Yeah. They don't make them like they used to, I'm telling you right now. That was a, that was a neat little car. And the big knock on it was that the fan belts kept going. Well, you know, that's the way it goes. Crap happens. That's what Joe Bell says. Jolly Joe says, well, fan belts break, Neil. Oh, it's a technical thing. You know, they break down. 
I mean, if I had to choose between a really brand new, pristine 60 Corvair and like this Pontiac Solstice, yeah, I'll take the uh, Solstice. <laughs> That's what I thought. I mean, the Corvair was like a, a nice beginner car, just like the Solstice is a nice beginner car for some punk, you know. Mm-hmm. That was your first one? The Corvair, yeah. My second car was a 63 Oldsmobile, an Olds 88 or something like that. Hmm. And then Larry Kent once sold me a car when I was working at KAT. When I came to South Florida, he sold me an Olds, was it a 98? Was there such a thing, an Olds 98? The big, expensive, gas-guzzling one? Had a, used, a used one, and man, that thing had more problems. You used to be able to, like, boil spaghetti in the, uh, you know, where you have the, the antifreeze? Right, the, the radiator? In the radiator. No, not in the radiator, where you have the, uh, the oh, washer the, uh, fluid. All right, yeah. And it used to boil. It would get boiling. You could have put pasta in there. To hell with that damn pasta maker that they're peddling on TV. <laughs> have you ever seen that tube that they have? Tube! Where you just stick the hot water oh, and yeah, pasta yeah, in there, yeah, and it boils yeah, by itself. Yeah, yeah. That thing looks so... Now, why would that work? Why, why would it make it boil? Well, it's not... Do you pour boiling water into it? Yeah. Well, why does it keep boiling? It doesn't. It, it coasts. It's 86 along the coast. Everybody's listening to the coast. That's our problem. We can't do the coast. That's why Disney. Disney has it in its huge jackass. leader. Okay, this Scott Burrell. And when I'm up in Boca Chica slapping old women with painted lips around the pool. I listen to the Neil Rogers one to two hours. I mean, I listen to the Neil Rogers fair and balanced one to two hours. STD laden strip joints. Approved by Joyce. Fart sounds. Rejected by Joyce. Online gambling scams. Approved by Joyce. Words containing the word bag. Rejected by Joyce. Erectile dysfunction spots. Resoundingly approved by Joyce. Tuba sounds resembling fart sounds. Rejected by Joyce. Blatant sports-related faggery and sports show hosts encouraging kids to rob liquor stores. Happily approved by Joyce. Fart sounds. Rejected by Joyce. 64 is all we got left on the uh, uh, place. Sashimi sushi. 64. That's not bad. Not good. Food's good. What do you got? What do you got besides the sushi? Just sushi. No sandwiches? What were you talking no. about before sandwiches? That's what's on the menu. I was reading them off the menu. Oh, okay. George says, here, I got close this out, by the way, as, as promised. We got the new pool up there, which is a little more sexy than the shows at Gulfstream. But nevertheless, although I think that what's-his-name wanted to have sex with you at Gulfstream. Right. Geo? Geo. Well, we could close the this up a little bit. I, I'm starting to like uh, Schmidt cam some of the people in that MySpace much more easily than I used to. I very rarely blocked anybody unless they were really just totally right. obnoxious and you know. But now if they just annoy me, like that uh, Anthony, the UPS guy, Tony, the uh, in Connecticut, I just mm-hmm. I just blocked him yesterday. He's just annoying. Randy, this Randy, that Randy, Randy. Just uh, you know, I tell him uh, I don't really give a crap about Randy. I wish her all the luck in the world and uh, more power to her. But whatever, you know. And so he just keeps writing the same. And I finally just blocked him. Just annoying. He's a groupie, and if you look at his uh, own site, you know, his own uh, MySpace page, mm-hmm. it's got you and me and Randy and uh, every radio person with a, with a MySpace thing who ever came down the pipe. That's all he's got. Huh. 
Groupie. Groupie. And there are few things in the world worse than a groupie. When George says the show's a Gulfstream, what's your take? We had 995 votes. I could have waited for 200, Chris, but I didn't. Oh, well. Too bad. What do we have on the first one when I uh, Schmidt can? Give me one second. Yeah, go ahead. So you're going to go view previews, and it's going to be right. this one. No, I'm going to history. Oh. Yeah. Boy, oh, oh, history. Feels like we're reliving history here. It's taken so long. Well, it's got to load up all the previous polls. Yeah, I know what it is. Don't you think I know what it is? I don't know, do you? Yeah. Scroll the polls. Okay, get with it, tummy. It really doesn't make any difference. Okay, how many we had? I mean, why did I even ask that question? If I knew it was going to be like a big song and a dance. 948. 948 and 195 is 1143. Even a child could do that math. So uh, what does that mean? Nothing. Means when George says the show's at Gulfstream, what's your take? It's okay, 83. I just want to make sure that combined we had over 1,000. Otherwise, I'd feel really, really nervous and bad, you know? Like, oh, geez, what are we going to do? Especially it being your last poll for a while. Yeah, my, oh, and I never got a chance to confabulate with George this morning about that stuff. The stuff? Yeah, like I'm going on vacation tomorrow. The good stuff? Like, like no, not that good oh. stuff. Like the bedtime story? Oh, yeah, yeah. Pool. Now, the bedtime stories are going to be on there for tomorrow. You don't have to worry about that. Okay, so uh, starting tomorrow for the next day. No, not starting tomorrow for the next day, just, just that one day. Okay. And then I'll let you know. I'll send you, I'll send you a text or, a, or something. Beautiful. So I got to do them today for tomorrow, then you're saying? No, you just said, uh, wait. You got tomorrow taken care of. I got to do Saturday. <laughs> Sorry, it's the wasabi. Friday for Saturday. Got it. Got for it. For Saturday, okay? And then I'll be down there and I'll take care of my palatial home. I'll take care of business. Beautiful. And then when I'm uh, coming driving back up here, I'm not going to be able to do it from the vet. I don't have a computer in my Corvette. No. I don't have any. Why not? Laptop. Just uh, send me a text when you want me to take over. There you go. Like you said. When George says the show's a call stream, it's okay, 83. I okay. love it, 48. That's 67.2.1%, uh, but dropping. In the beginning, you were like, uh, you know. I turned it off, 37. It sucks, 27. That's 32.7% naysayers. But you got to beat, like, by better than 2 to 1. You got two turds. Yeah, that's surprising. Amazing. Is it? Considering, you know, considering the source. Yeah, considering how sour South Floridians generally tend to be. Whatever you do, oh, we don't like it. We don't like it. Well, we how want about the if we calls. try this? Oh, the no, I don't suck. like that either. Well, how about if I try this? No, nah, yeah, right. it all sucks. Everything sucks. You know what they, like I said the other day, they don't know what they want. No. They don't know what they want. There are a lot of them, like you, who live in the past, they want to bring back those glorious days, you know. Mm. It's not going to happen. I want to live in the future. Oh, now that you got your new deal, Neil, does that mean you get all your uh, material back? I mean, what, what a stupid-ass <laughs> question from, from a guy who sounded like supposedly an adult, you know. What kind of crap is that? Crap. My first sexual experience with another person, I wish I could relive five. I wish I could remember two. I would much rather forget two. Didn't last long enough, one. Wasn't as good as when I do it alone, one. Was with somebody way older, one. Might land me in jail if anybody found out, one. And no votes for, took too long, was with a man of the cloth, or was my only one so far, out of the first 13. We're just starting to get a nibble on this poll, you know? A little nibble. Was with a man with a cloth. It's always good to have a cloth just in case, you know, there's like an action. Speaking of that, Pastor Hagee apologizes for anti-Catholic remarks. And we're still hearing very little about him. Everybody and their brothers still, Oh, Reverend Jeremiah Wright, Reverend Wright, ba 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 and it's going to come back to Hunter Obama, ba 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 
But uh, Hagee, who's at least uh, half again as crazy as Reverend Wright, we don't hear too much about. John Hagee, an influential Texas televangelist who endorsed John McCain, apologizes to Catholics. He apologized Tuesday for a stinging criticism of the Roman Catholic Church having, for having emphasized the darkest chapters in the history of Catholic and Protestant relations with the Jews. Hagee's support for McCain has drawn cries of outrage from some Catholic leaders who called on McCain to reject Hagee's endorsement. The likely Republican nominee, why do they keep saying that? has said he does not agree with some of Hagee's past comments, but did not reject his support. In a letter to William Donahue, <laughs> president of the Catholic League for Civil and Religious Rights, the far William Donahue, Hagee wrote, Our out of a desire to advance a greater unity among Catholics and evangelicals in promoting the common good, I want to express my deep regret for any comments that Catholics have found hurtful. Donahue, one of Hagee's sharpest critics, said he accepted the apology and planned to meet with Hagee today in New York. I got what I wanted, Don Hughes said in an interview. He's seen the light, as they like to say, so for me it's over. Yeah, Farbison. He got what he wanted. The controversy had threatened to pursue McCain throughout the campaign, potentially hurting his standing with Catholic voters. A majority of Roman Catholics voted for President Bush in the past two presidential elections, critical votes in close elections. And what's the Catholic obsession with Swillery? Can you tell me that? Why does she get like 70 80% of Catholics in almost every state? I don't know. Is it because they're so far business? Is that it? Maybe. Maybe the Pope put them up to it. Do you think that could be it? That Maybe be. when the Pope was here, he like uh, put a curse, a hex on Obama. Maybe he don't like those people either. He is a Nazi. He don't like those dark folks. Don't That's kid right. yourself, okay? There's a few of those uh, uh, bishops around, but not too many. Just enough to calm everybody down. Just enough to pacify. You know what I mean by that? Yep. The letter came after Hagee met Friday for lunch in a French restaurant in downtown Washington with 22 influential religious activists, virtually all of them Catholics. I'm really curious about why this story, where is this from? It's from um, AP, Associated Press. What difference does it make that he met them in a French restaurant? I don't know. You follow what I'm saying? Why, why does it say that? To suck up to the French? I don't know. Oh, what a horrible thought that is. Hagee has cited the Inquisition and the Crusades as evidence of anti-Semitism within the Catholic Church and suggested that Catholic anti-Semitism shaped Adolf Hitler's views of Jews. In my zeal to oppose anti-Semitism and bigotry in all its ugly forms, I have often emphasized the darkest chapters in the history of Catholics and Protestant relations with the Jews, Hagee wrote. In the process, I may have contributed to the mistaken impression that the anti-Jewish violence of the Crusades and the Inquisition defines the Catholic Church. It most certainly does not. How about the pedophile priest? Is that to find the... Uh, you know it. Oh. Hagee has often made references to the apostate church and the great horror, terms that Catholics say are slurs aimed at the Roman Catholic Church. In his letter, Hagee said, well, you know one thing about Madeleine O'Hare? She's at pieces now. In his letter, Hagee said, well, she always used to say the Roman Catholic Church. She would roll her uh, tongue. <laughs> Cute. Oh, she was, she was full of vinegar and whatever goes with it. Full of pea and vinegar. In his letter, in fact, it was on, uh, she was supposed to be on my show, I think it was on a Saturday morning, that's when I decided no more guests, and I'm not going to do any more of that old boring, that old style talk, that's, that's the day. She wasn't too happy about it, my producer had to call her up and say, oh, Neil, not going to talk to you today, Is tired of you, you old bag, you know. She was good, though, she was very entertaining, had big balls. Her son was like kind of a retard, he's dead, too, they chopped him up in little pieces, too, you know. Mm-hmm. In his letter, Hagee said he now better understood that his use of those descriptions taken from the book of Revelations are a rhetorical device long employed in anti-Catholic literature and commentary. He stressed that in his use, neither of these phrases can be synonymous with the Catholic Church. 
The remarkable two-and-a-half-page letter was no doubt inspired by the political storm Hagee's endorsement caused. Hagee leads a San Antonio, Texas megachurch with a congregation in the tens of thousands of goofballs. He has an even wider TV audience. He's another one of those TV getchkeys, man, peddling snake oil to the masses. When the endorsed McCain in late February, Donahue and other Catholic leaders demanded that McCain repudiate him. The DNC also weighed in, highlighting Hagee's remarks over the years. Some commentators even liken Hagee's effect on McCain to the controversy, but it would put a Jeremiah right. No kidding. McCain initially embraced Hagee's endorsement, eager to reach out to religious voters by securing the support of a prominent Christian's conservative, but he was soon forced to put some distance with Hagee. Any comments he made about the Catholic Church, I strongly condemn, of course, he said during an April appearance on ABC's This Week. McCain, campaigning in North Bend, Washington, McCain on Tuesday said Hagee's apology was very helpful. Even though he didn't mean a damn word of it, of course, everybody knows that, neither does McCain, because they're all a bunch of whores. Talk about great whores. Just like us in the broadcasting business, we're a bunch of whores, although we're not as big of a whores as they are on Fox, for example, or on CNN. That's why that uh, thing I played by Olbermann is so remarkable. I mean, it's, it's remarkable the fact that he was able to say it on the air anywhere. How long was it, like 10 minutes? Yeah, you want to play it again? Sure, why not? What, what are you talking about? I'm talking about 62 uh, certificates. Are we down to 62? Yep. That's not so great. And maybe as time goes by, like, like that one we sold out, let me take a look at that website. I better do it during the break. I don't want to leave dead air because there's never he never you know fills the gap. Yes, I will. No, you don't. I'll put some I'll music on. Crappy I'll music on. I'll play some Leaky Lee. What am I looking for? I forgot. I don't know. By the way, John says hi. John who? John, uh, big fan of yours. Won something in Power 96. Taking a tour right now. Hi, John. Got a hot girlfriend. He says how's it going. He blew you a kiss there, John. How old is John? An old guy or no, young guy? Young guy. Twenty-three. Young. Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Yeah, mediocre. John looks kind of human, or what? Nah, you wouldn't like it. Oh, okay. See, his girlfriend's really hot, though. Oh, like I said. All right, that's not that crappy music. Story at California uh, Supreme Court has just struck down the state's ban on same-sex marriage. Yeah, I'm just thought I would pass that along. Okay, what's it got to do with that dog so story? Cavalierly. Yeah, well, yeah we got 62 important. certificates left, by the way, for um, that place. Sushi samba. Like I said, how's the chow? Great and gone. And gone, and once it's gone, that's right. Now what do you? What did you eat, Chris? Shrimp tempura, I believe it's called. Mmm, I love that. 
But not with, um, like, whatever you said. Soy sauce. Soy sauce. Soy sauce. Oh, so salty, man. Yeah, that's the idea. Soy salty. That. Now, this story that you just faxed me, this is extraordinarily disturbing. Uh, from the Scum Sentinel. Palm Beach Gardens man accused of sexually assaulting two dogs. I notice there's no name in here of the alleged culprit. Two black and tan German shepherds have been put in the care of animal welfare workers. As authorities investigate a Palm Beach Gardens man accused of sexually assaulting the dogs. Palm Beach County Animal Care and Control officials yesterday asked a judge to give the county permanent custody of the pets. County Attorney Shannon Fox said in court papers that the man who lives in an apartment with his mother had repeatedly performed sexual acts with the dogs. He lives in an apartment with his mother. I wonder how old this guy is, like about 45 probably. No arrest have been made by Wednesday evening, but an ongoing investigation is underway, according to a Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office spokeswoman. An animal custody hearing will take place May 29. Neither the man or his mother could be reached for comment despite calls to their residence. So they obviously know his name, but for some reason they're withholding it. Officials said the investigation, which began more than a week ago, prompted renewed calls for a law making it a felony for people to have sex with animals. Florida is one of about 20 states with no specific law prohibiting such acts. Outlawing bestiality legislators say it would make it easier for law enforcement officials and prosecutors to clamp down on sex abuse of animals. Since 2001, there have been at least a dozen documented cases in Florida. I'm surprised it's only a dozen. So many yahoos. You know, I, I just can't envision him in some trailer park with mom, you know. Mm-hmm. This spring, State Senator Nan Rich, Democrat of Western, filed legislation aimed at preventing anyone from knowingly committing bestiality, knowingly causing or rating another person to have sex with an animal, or knowingly permitting sex with an animal. Rich filed the legislation in part because she's been seeing academic evidence that there's a direct correlation between animal abuse and child abuse. The legislation passed one legislative committee. Rich said the struggle for passage of the legislation centers on the taboo subject and the graphic nature of the acts. I think people are just uncomfortable with the subject matter, she said Wednesday. It's just unfortunate there are not more ways to prosecute these atrocious acts because there's so much evidence that they're an indicator of other sexual deviant crimes. Same-sex marriage story. It's only speculation right now, but there is a theory going around about the surge in oil prices. We'll try to clear it up for you. Yeah. Oh, that's after they do a break note. Well, we don't want to see your damn commercial. I thought he was going to give us the details on that same-sex marriage ruling. I have it before the end of the hour. Anybody care? No. So what about Keith Olbermann? Do we want to replay that one time or not? Ooh. What I does mean, that mean? I, I liked it, but, you know, that's just I me. don't know where to find it on here. Really? Their resource team. I'll find it. Independence. Or not. But I think it's time for me to get some style at Got Style. Sound a little swishy to me, I don't know. So much started. Savings. These days seem maybe it's not a good idea. Hmm. Come on, Keith. There's promised a special comment. Oh, there it is right there. You think after the break? Sounds great. Keith Olbermann had a great rant on MSNBC and his countdown show last night. He's on 8 to 9 and uh, 10 to 11 and 1 to 2 in the morning. They replay it. They replay it, they play it three times because of uh, the fact that he's got the only show on television where anybody actually says something that, number one, is true, and number two, requires balls, and number three, isn't a bunch of right-wing butt-sucking of the president and the neo-Nazis who are running the country and the world. Thank you again, Mr. President, for that little guy. You know something? 
That would be great if we could find that kid that called in that time after the Iraq attack. So obviously now it's like over five years ago. If we could find him, track him down. Oh, yeah. And we could do a crucifixion of him right there at Gulfstream on Saturday. Wouldn't that be great? We'd get a million people that out there to be. see that. We could be playing Light My Fire in the background. Mm. Thank you for the low gas prices, Mr. President. Ha, 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 ha. Just another putz, baby. Just another quizzling. Kid probably don't even have no weenus. 50, so there's somebody who won some prizes at Power came by to see us? Right, big fan of yours also. Yours are. Wow. But he was ugly, huh? He was a normal-looking guy. I'm just kidding. Why, why, why would you say he's ugly, you know? I didn't. Well, why would I say it? I don't know, to be a bastard? Yeah, well, I want to keep up my reputation. 54 votes on this new poll about your first sexual experience. It could have, it could have been better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I'd have been a lot smarter and a little bit more adventurous, it could have been a lot better. But God? Finally tonight, as promised, a special comment on two topics a lot of us had foolishly thought and had naively hoped we would not again have to address. And a third topic nobody thought a president would ever seriously mention in public, unless perhaps he'd just been hit in the head with something and was not in full possession of his faculties. How he expressed his empathy to the families of the dead in Iraq by giving up golf. The president has resorted anew to the sleaziest fear-mongering and mass manipulation of an administration of a public life dedicated to realizing the lowest of our expectations. And he has now applied these poisons to the 2008 presidential election on behalf of the party at whose center he and Mr. McCain lurk. Mr. Bush has predicted that the election of a Democratic president could, quote, eventually lead to another attack on the United States. This ludicrous, infuriating, holier-than-thou, and most importantly, boneheadedly wrong statement came yesterday during an interview with Politico.com and online users of Yahoo. The question was phrased as follows. If we were to pull out of Iraq next year, what's the worst that could happen? What's the doomsday scenario? And the president replied, doomsday scenario, of course, is that extremists throughout the Middle East would be emboldened, which would eventually lead to another attack on the United States. The biggest issue we face is, it's bigger than Iraq, it's this ideological struggle against cold-blooded killers who will kill people to achieve their political objectives. Mr. Bush, at long last, has it not dawned on you that the America you have now created includes cold-blooded killers who will kill people to achieve their political objectives? They are those in or formerly in your employ who may yet be charged someday with war crimes. Through your haze of self-congratulation and self-pity, do you still have no earthly clue that this nation has laid waste to Iraq to achieve your political objectives? This ideological struggle you speak of, Mr. Bush, is taking place within this country. It is a struggle between Americans who cherish freedom, ours and everybody else's, and Americans like you, sir, to whom freedom is just a brand name, just like Patriot Act is a brand name, or Protect America is a brand name. But wait, there's more. You also said, Iraq is the place where Al-Qaeda and other extremists have made their stand and they will be defeated. They made no stand in Iraq, sir. You allowed them to assemble there. As certainly as if that were the plan, the borders were left wide open by your government's farcical post-invasion strategy. Did you drop out? 
Bayesian strategy of letting the societal infrastructure of Iraq dissolve to be replaced by an American vice royalty enforced by merciless mercenaries who shoot unarmed Iraqis and then evade prosecution in any country by hiding behind your skirts, sir. Terrorism inside Iraq is your creation, Mr. Bush. It was a Yahoo user who brought up the second topic upon whose introduction Mr. Bush should have passed or punted or gotten up and left the room claiming he heard Dick Cheney calling him. Do you feel, asked an ordinary American, that you were misled on Iraq? I feel like, I felt like, there were weapons of mass destruction. You know, mislead is a strong word. It almost connotes some kind of intentional, I don't think so, I think there was... Not only our intelligence community, but intelligence communities all across the world shared the same assessment. And so I was disappointed to see how flawed our intelligence was. Flawed. You, Mr. Bush, and your tragically know-it-all minions threw out every piece of intelligence that suggested there were no such weapons. You, Mr. Bush, threw out every person who suggested that the sober, contradictory, reality-based intelligence needed to be listened to and damned fast. You, Mr. Bush, are responsible for how intelligence communities all around the world shared the same assessment. You and the sycophants you dredged up and put behind the most important steering wheel in the world propagated palpable nonsense and shoved it down the throat of every intelligence community across the world and punished everybody who didn't agree it was really chicken salad. And you, Mr. Bush, threw under the bus all of the subsequent critics who bravely stepped forward later to point out just how much of a self-fulfilling prophecy you had embraced and adopted as this country's policy in lieu of, say, common sense. The fiasco of pre-war intelligence, sir, is your fiasco. You should build a great statue of yourself, turning a deaf ear to the warnings of the realists while you are shown embracing the three-card Monty dealers like Richard... Cheney. That would be a far more fitting tribute to your legacy, Mr. Bush, than this presidential library you are constructing as a giant fable about your presidency, an edifice you might as well claim was built from Iraqi weapons of mass destruction, because there will be just as many of those inside your presidential library as there were inside Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Of course, if there is one overriding theme to this president's administration, it is the utter, always failing inability to know when to quit when it is behind. And so Mr. Bush answered yet another question about this layered, nuanced, wheels-within-wheels wheels garbage heap that constituted his excuse for war. And so you feel that you didn't have all the information you should have or the right spin on that information? No, no, replied the president. I was told by people that they had weapons of mass destruction. People. What people? The insane informant curveball? The Iraqi snake oil salesman Ahmed Chalabi? The American snake oil salesman Dick Cheney? I was told by people that they had weapons of mass destruction, as were members of Congress who voted for the resolution to get rid of Saddam Hussein. And of course, the political heat gets on, and they start to run and try to hide from their votes. Mr. Bush, you destroyed the evidence that contradicted the resolution you jammed down the Congress's throat the way you jammed it down the nation's throat when required by law. To verify that your evidence was accurate, you simply resubmitted it with phrases amounting to see I done proved it, virtually written in the margins in crayon. You defied patriotic Americans to say the emperor has no clothes, only this time with the stakes, as you and the mental dwarves in your employ put it, being a mushroom cloud over an American city. 
and as a final crash of self-indulgent nonsense, when the incontrovertible truth of your panoramic and murderous deceit has even begun to cost your political party seemingly perpetual congressional seats in places like North Carolina and last night Mississippi. You can actually say with a straight face, sir, that the members of Congress, the political heat gets on and they start to run and try to hide from their votes while you greet the political heat and try to run and hide from your presidency and your legacy. 4,000 of the Americans you were supposed to protect are dead in Iraq with your only feeble, pathetic answer being, I was told by people that they had weapons of mass destruction. Then came Mr. Bush's final blow to our nation's solar plexus, his last reopening of our common wounds, his last remark that makes the rest of us question not merely his leadership or his judgment, but his very suitability to remain in office. Mr. President, he was asked, you haven't been golfing in recent years. Is that related to Iraq? Yes, began perhaps the most startling reply of this nightmarish blight on our lives as Americans, on our history. It really is. I don't want some mom whose son may have recently died to see the commander-in-chief playing golf. I feel I owe it to the families to be as to be in solidarity as best as I can with them. And I think playing golf during a war just sends the wrong signal. Golf, sir. Golf sends the wrong signal to the grieving families of our men and women butchered in Iraq. Do you think these families, Mr. Bush, their lives blighted forever, care about you playing golf do you think, sir, they care about you? You, Mr. Bush? You who let their sons and daughters be killed? Sir, to show your solidarity with them, you gave up golf? Sir, to show your solidarity with them, you didn't give up your pursuit of this insurance scam, profiteering, morally and financially bankrupting war. Sir, to show your solidarity with them, you didn't even give up talking about Iraq, a subject about which you have incessantly proved without pause or backwards glance that you may literally be the least informed person in the world. Sir, to show your solidarity with them, you didn't give up your presidency. In your own words, solidarity as best as I can is to stop a game. That is the best you can. 4,000 Americans give up their lives, and your sacrifice was to give up golf? Golf. Not golf. Golf. And still it gets worse. Because it proves that the president's unendurable sacrifice, his unbearable pain, the suspension of getting to hit a stick and a ball together, was not even his own damned idea. Mr. President, was there a particular moment or incident that brought you to that decision? Or how did you come to that? I remember when DeMayo was killed, who was at the U.N., got killed in Baghdad as a result of these murderers taking this good man's life. And I was playing golf. I think I was in central Texas. And they pulled me off the golf course and I said, it's just not worth it anymore to do. Your one tone-deaf, arrogant, pathetic, embarrassing gesture, and you didn't even think of it yourself. The great Bushian sacrifice. An army private loses a leg. A marine loses half his skull. Four thousand of their brothers and sisters lose their lives. You lose golf, and they have to pull you off the golf course to get you to do just that. If it's even true. Apart from your medical files, which dutifully record your torn calf muscle and the knee pain, which forced you to give up running at the same time, coincidence, no doubt, the bombing in Baghdad, which killed Sergio Vieira de Mello of the U.N. and interrupted your round of golf, was on August 19, 2003, and yet there's an Associated Press account of you and photographs playing golf as late as Columbus Day of that year, October 13th, nearly two months later. Mr. Bush, I hate to break it to you six and a half years after you yoked this nation and your place in history to the wrong war 
in the wrong place against the wrong people. But the war in Iraq is not about you. It is not, Mr. Bush, about your grief when American after American comes home in a box. It is not, Mr. Bush, about what your adult brain has produced in the way of paranoid delusions of risks that do not exist, ready to be activated if some Democrat and not your twin, Mr. McCain, succeeds you. The war in Iraq, your war, Mr. Bush, is about how you accomplished the derangement of two nations and how you helped funnel billions of taxpayer dollars to lascivious and perennially thirsty corporations like Halliburton and Blackwater and how you sent 4,000 Americans to their deaths for nothing. It is not, Mr. Bush, about your golf game. And, sir, if you have any hopes that next January 20th will not be celebrated as a day of soul-wrenching, heartfelt thanksgiving because your faithless stewardship of this presidency will have finally come to a merciful end, this last piece of advice, when somebody asks you, sir, about Democrats who must now pull this country back from the abyss you have placed us at, when somebody asks you, sir, about the cooked books and fake threats you foisted on a sincere and frightened nation, when somebody asks you, sir, about your gallant, noble, self-abnegating sacrifice of your golf game so as to soothe the families of the war dead, this advice, Mr. Bush, shut the hell up. Good night and good luck. Well, there he is, Keith Olbermann, one of the all-time best rants last night, MSNBC. Let's play it again. All the crap you can unwrap. All the slime all the time. Tonight, CSI travels down the Garden State Parkway to exit 62. David Caruso stars in CSI New Jersey. So... What do we got? Well, Horatio, looks like someone wanted to have intimate relations with this cow. Hmm. I guess somebody was in the mood. David Caruso breaks this case of bovine love tonight on CSI New Jersey. Okay, we got 60 certificates left. I was just double-checking again in case maybe right. one more went or something like that. Didn't. It didn't. So what do you think of that uh, Keith Olbermann piece? That was Keith Olbermann from his Countdown show on MSNBC last night. Played it twice today, and you would think that, um, you know, somebody would have noticed, wouldn't you? Spectacular. He really was. When you think that that was on worldwide TV on the satellite. And he didn't flub it. I mean, that was a long rant. Yeah, well, he, I'm, I'm sure he wrote it. Right. And, uh, you know, he did a great job of reading it. I think he only flubbed one word in the whole damn, like, uh, right. about a 12-minute thing, you know. He's good. He's damn good. And Imus must be an a-hole, you know, regardless. And that, that's got nothing to do with anything. Am I supposed to feel bad about that, that I like? Uh... No. No. I'm not too happy with people in this business who come in and, like, do, 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 do. run around trying to get everybody fired did, 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 and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes there's a reason for it. Right. There might be more than meets the eye. That's correct. And in Imus's case, just what meets the eye, I think, would be enough. God. Hey, send the kid, by the way, you on your way back to New York yet or what? What a loser. Uh, Bill writes me on MySpace, the Omni building is still there. However, it looks like somebody was expecting a hurricane and put up shutters and never took them down. The only businesses still in the building are the hotel and the art institute. All the retail space has been vacant for years. There are signs outside the building announcing that they're leasing, but the building is basically a shell. How do you like that? The Omni downtown. This is the great uh, downtown Miami that's making such a big comeback. 
Oh, you'd be amazed, Neil. There's a big shopping center bigger than the Eaton Center there downtown. Yeah, great. This is a great story. I'm glad I have time for it. You know how I'm always telling you in Amsterdam there are all these zillions of bicycles? Yeah. yeah. Allison Raphael writes, What single silver bullet can simultaneously reduce air pollution and oil dependency, roll back urban congestion, and fight obesity? It's not a pill nor a, compl a complicated formula concocted by the World Bank. People around the world are turning to bicycles by the millions as governments rush to create incentives for the low-tech transport alternative to gas glugging, guzzling, gas glugging, it says. Gla gas gl guzzling, <laughs> smog-making, traffic jam, producing automobiles. Who ever heard of gas glugging? You ever heard such a thing? No. Some 130 million bikes were produced worldwide in 2007, more than double the number of cars rolling off assembly lines, 52 million. Bike production took off in the 70s and after a brief dip has been soaring since 2001, according to the, an eco-economy indicators report issued this week by the Earth Policy Institute. Although more than 80% of all bicycles produced today are made in China, oh boy, rising wealth led many Chinese to set aside their bicycles in favor of cars, but in the face of rising urban pollution and congestion, Chinese authorities are insisting that bike lanes be reestablished in major, major cities. In Beijing, bike rentals are being strongly promoted. China is followed following a growing trend in Europe and developing uh, country smog centers such as Mexico City, Bogota, and Seoul, South Korea. The latest master plan for New Delhi, India, where the Punjab monarch, for example, calls for fully segregated bike lanes on all main roads to reduce growth in fossil fuel consumption. Amsterdam, Copenhagen, and the German city of Freiburg are all investing millions in infrastructure to encourage more people to bike to work. In Amsterdam, more than 55% of those who travel five miles or less to work already ride bikes. The government plans to spend $160 million by 2010 on bicycle paths, parking, and safety, according to the Earth Policy Report. Paris now has some 20,000 bikes available for rental by credit card, scattered around the city at strategic sites. Six million people use the new rental program during the first three months after it was launched last year. And the U.S. lags far behind this emerging trend, with less than 1% of workers commuting by bicycle. Overall, bike ridership has dropped by 32% since the early 90s. Of course, when you look at the size of the countries, for example, I mean, Amsterdam, you could put in your hip pocket, you know. And Denmark, Copenhagen, mm -hmm. you could put, like, in your shirt pocket. But there are places where it would come in pretty handy, you know. Like, like for Chris, he'd have, he'd have gotten to work there on Monday. Yep. If he was riding a bike. And he'd probably weigh, like, 180 pounds right now if he was riding a bike. Mm-hmm. Good thinking, Chris. Start biking it. Okay. And look at all the money you'll save on gas. 95 votes on this poll. My first sexual experience with another person didn't last long enough, 24. I wish I could relive 22. I would much rather forget 22. I wish I could remember 8. Was with somebody way older, 6. Might land me in jail if anybody found out 6. Wasn't as good as when I do it alone, 3. Uh huh. Was with a man of the cloth, 3. A man with a big cloth. Was my only one so far, 1. And took too long, none. Be nice to George. That's my advice. And have a great time. The best talent. Be nice to George. Be a friend of my QAM. The leader. It's Miami Town. At 560 WQAM. Here's my story, sad but true. About a girl called Sif. 